right, hey everybody, welcome back to uh, the newest episode of the Shooting Time Podcast. We've got a couple of guests here today, and I'll introduce them here in just a minute, but um, I wanted to say that when I uh, showed up at, at the at his house that we're at today, I knew I was in the right place when I walked in the garage, and I almost thought I was in my own garage with, I saw uh, a boa set up, looked like for uh, a recent elk, or upcoming elk hunt, backpacks with weight laying around in them, uh, duck and goose stuff all over dog things and uh the, the one thing that really uh is obviously significantly different than my house is there's about a half dozen top-end black labs running around with uh, guys blowing whistles out in the field next to us here and uh who i'm at is i'm at uh rick stosky who runs fine line retrievers out of is it malacca where we're technically at we're in malacca yeah, yeah. malacca minnesota malacca, minnesota which is right almost in the center of the state really and um He's uh, how long have you been doing docs for? Maybe you know while we're at, you can just tell a little bit how you've been doing all this stuff. I guess. Well, I, I've been um, training dogs professionally for about thirty years. Um, I, I started out um, years ago. I was working uh, uh, for my parents, uh, running a pizza place, and uh, had the opportunity to uh, uh, meet a couple people: Herb Parker, uh, Ralph Dooley. Um, and they kind of got me started on, into this, uh, Labradors. I've always had dogs my whole life. I mean, you know, just we grew up with dogs. I've hunted my whole life. We would kind of get them trained a little bit and use them a little bit for hunting. But, uh, I was in a situation where I could buy a dog and I hooked up with these people and, uh, um, Ralph and Herb got me, uh, um, hooked up with Bruce Curtis, Wayne Curtis, Jim Kappas, and um it kind of just developed from there and uh i i eventually went to work for wayne curtis and after a few years there i went on my own uh we opened up fine line retrievers we originally started in marine on st croix uh we leased a property there kelly farms property and uh, uh started started my training career in uh 92 I started there, and in 1997, we bought this property up in Malacca, and over the last 20-some years, we have developed it into a premier training property, um, and I guess it's just gone on from there. Yeah, if you, uh, when I, I, I've known Rick for quite a few years, and I couldn't, it's been a while since I've been to his house, and so I was, looked on Google, Google Maps to figure, find his place, and I looked up, uh, if you type in fine line retrievers, on Google Maps, you'll see the the layout, and it's actually a really neat setup. He's got a couple ponds. Um, I don't know how big they are, but I know that one of them is an awesome early season goose hunting spot. <laughs> uh, one of our mutual friends hunts those quite a bit, um, specifically for the molt migrators that we always talk about. But yeah, it's a beautiful training ground here, um, and I'll get into the dogs here in a little bit. Um, but uh, we've got another guy sitting next to Rick, and um, that is Sean Stahl. Uh, they've been you guys have been friends for how long? I man, I'm not good with years and numbers, but it's been uh, probably at least 12 years. Probably no more than that. Yeah, see, now I'm getting old. Yeah, I, I would guess 20. <laughs> time some is years. passing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 20. Yeah, yeah, 15. Yeah. Did yeah. you guys meet through dogs? I imagine uh, through a mutual friend down hunting. We were actually hunting down in Stuttgart and filming a filming a, a duck hunting show. Yeah, that yeah. we met down yeah. there at the yeah. at the yeah. yep down there in Tyndall's Reservoir. That's that's yeah. it, Tyndall's. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> And for those who uh, who don't know Sean, um, obviously he's the host of R and TV, uh, 
big time duck and goose caller hunter across the country. We'll kind of get into some of that stuff here later on. So, um, I know Rick here is, I talked about, he's got all of his elk stuff sitting out and you're heading on a elk hunt in what, a week or two? We're, we're going to be leaving the 13th. Okay. So, so mid, you're going to be right during the peak. Yes. Yeah. We should be hitting it right. Perfect. So, uh, looking forward to it. Um, that's Colorado. We're going to Colorado this year. I've hunted Montana the last couple of years. Uh, I've got, gone with an outfitter, kind of learned uh, as much as I could about elk hunting. And this year we're going to do a drop camp. So we're going to horseback in nine miles and uh, we've got a drop camp there. And we're also set up that uh, if we get in the proper situation, we're going to have the equipment so that we can set up spike camps away from from our, our uh, outpost camp. That'll be fun. And so this is, you're not doing a, an outfitter this year? No, no. Well, they're they're just the, um, the horses, just the horses in. Yep, just the horses in and and unguided, and uh, uh, it's a little bit of a daunting. I mean, I'm thinking about it, it's kind of nice to have that little bit of a uh, help. You know, I I started elk hunting at later in my life, um, and uh, it, it's it's. But I'm looking forward to it. It should be a, it should be a good time, and uh, um, we'll just have to see how how it goes. Well, I imagine you'll take pleasure and um, just some self-pride in, especially if you kill one, in doing it unguided. I mean, it's like your duck hunts. I mean, you love hunting public ground, big spots, doing it all on your own. So getting up in there and actually having it work or even even coming close to work, I think, is is so rewarding, especially in that kind of terrain where – Yes, because you've not been in this area before, is that right? Right. This is a new area. We're going to be up uh, in the Flat Top Mountains, actually, at uh, ten thousand feet. We're on top of the mountain, um, so that yeah, that part's it's 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 going to be fun. It's uh, um, and and there is pro. I mean, you know, like everything I've done in my life, I've kind of gone and jumped in, you know, both feet forward and uh, worked hard at it. And I, I've learned how to uh, blow an elk call, and I've learned how to cow call, learned how to bugle. Uh, and, and I am excited about having the opportunity to make my own decisions. And, uh, if they don't work to learn from them, you know, each elk encounter is, is just so, so exciting. And, uh, you know, most of them don't work, but hopefully if you keep learning, I can get better at it and, and, and do end up shooting an elk. You know, that's, you kind of mentioned that how you learn from each instance. And I think that's something that I know, obviously I've done, I mean, I've, elk in two years and so every every day i'm out i feel like i'm learning a ton um but i think that's something valuable too for duck hunters especially beginning guys to really think about and and be conscious of is as you're hunting pay attention to what you're doing especially if you're going with someone who knows what they're doing um it's amazing what kind of rubs off a a guy can be a great teacher and not necessarily be actually someone who's telling you what to do or why he's doing it but he can be teaching you just by doing. And if, if you're a good learner, it's amazing what you can pick up just from watching other guys do things. And even if you're experienced, I mean, I know that by hunting with different people over the years, yourself being one of them, and you just pick up different little things that you can do different and through talking stuff out. So I think that's one of the cool things about doing new things like this for probably both you and me, which is elk hunt, and, yeah. and myself, a mule deer hunt here, and she's less than a week. Um, you know, it's, you're just constantly learning stuff. So, that big game, the big game side of life for me, it's, it's a lot of that. And, um, you know, I, it's a new thing for the fall, new thing for September. And you're just, you're constantly exposing yourself to new situations. 
Yeah, yeah, it's 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 different because I'm a waterfall hunter. That, that's what I've done, and, and and that's what I learned. And now I had to start learning how to move through the woods, how to pay attention, how to be able to to, to walk and pay attention without falling down. I mean, the, the mountains are rough. Uh, this terrain is rough. The elevation is high, so it, it it's it's taken some time. Um, one thing, uh, you know, small little story that. Uh, after my first year of elk hunting, I took up squirrel hunting after not doing it for 35 years, 40 years. And um, I, I learned so much, and I think it's helping my elk hunting. But I, I look forward to that after the season to go out there and just squirrel hunting and learn how to move through the woods and how, how, how to uh, uh, look for sign, how to pay attention. Just be a better woodsman in general. Yeah, exactly, really. exactly, exactly. That's, one of the, that's kind of one of the reasons I picked it up, too, is just I wanted to have these other experiences and be a more rounded hunter because I mean, up until if you, if you exclude turkey hunting, I mean, I, I guess I self-identified as a duck hunter. That was right. my thing. And now all of a sudden I feel like I've got quite a bit of other stuff under my belt in the past few years. And it's kind of neat just to have that. And it's funny you talk about scrolling. We, we brought that up and, and uh, someone we were talking to yesterday about how squirrel hunting is almost not a thing in this part of the country, like so few people do it. And I remember that's how one of the things I started hunting, I think I went on duck hunt first, but then like that next fall we started, my dad took me out squirrel hunting just, I think as an easy way to, to have kids around guns and, and be in the woods rather than in the marsh. That's right. I, same thing, same situation. Yeah. I started out, you know, my dad would take me waterfall hunting. Um, I mean, he, it was awesome because he, he would take me, drop me off before work. Uh, there was a, a Coon Lake. We had hunt Linwood Lake. There was a few lakes. He would drop us off and come pick us up at lunchtime. So we had, you know, we had the opportunity to learn and, and do stuff on our own, plus the opportunity to hunt with him and, and learn through that. And then, uh, and then exactly right. Then the squirrel hunting came a little bit after, and then it just kind of disappeared from me for 40 some years. And now I'm, I'm back doing it. And it's fun. I enjoy it. I think it's one of those things that's like a it competes with other hunting activities in the fall. And that's probably, I know that's why I quit. I mean, it opens in, I think September, which um, we're all goose hunters. And at that point, yeah. squirrels typically fall below the, below the ranking on geese. So I don't mess with them that much, but <laughs> they are season is open late and the guy really needs to do it a little bit longer. Yeah. December is mostly the yeah. time I hunt. The, yeah. the, the problem I run into and in, uh, with the elk hunting is now I don't do my Canada waterfall trip you yeah. know everything cool in the whole world happens in september and october yeah, it's like in november <laughs> you wait you sit and wait around for summer to roll by and all of a sudden you try to jam as much as you possibly can in into that like six probably eight to ten weeks of mid-september through the end of november if you're in the, the upper midwest if you're down south you got another couple of months of that right. wrapped up but and, I, and i'm also then that's still my field trial season so our, our national is mid-november uh, so basically, I'm, 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 I, t I take this elk hunting time, but then I'll, I'll go back and uh, uh, get back with my dogs, continue running field trials, and that's why you don't see me duck hunting until yeah, December. Till yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you never see me come out. You know, I, I, I get the reports from these guys, and I have tears rolling down my face when they send me the pictures, <laughs> but... Uh, I really don't get to join them until December, and hopefully then the weather holds out and the migration works, and, and we get to have uh, uh, some good times together. It's funny you mentioned the, uh, getting the text messages. That's always one of the, 
like you hate to be a jerk about to your buddies, but I, there's nothing more that I, I love and hate at the same time than seeing your friends do well when you're not there. If right. you're not hunting, like you're, you're happy for them, but you're like, God dang it. I wish they would have done bad just so you don't have that, like that regret of not being there for some reason. So right. those right. text messages just drive me nuts. This year, I hope to, I hope to get a lot less of those ones where I'm not involved since I'm not working uh, retail full time this year. So that would be one advantage to that. So we got Sean sitting over here. A couple of weeks ago, I saw you were battling uh, decoy trailer issues. Have you gotten that all resolved? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I should no, I, I should never I should almost rephrase that. Do you have it temporarily resolved until the next issue pops up? Yeah, it's an ongoing <laughs> battle. Yeah. Yeah. My lights still don't work. Uh for some reason I'm not getting power all the way to my spotlights on the back for setting decoys. I gotta get that fixed here pretty quick. So but. somewhere hidden in a piece of PVC or conduit yes. is a broken wire. Somewhere that uh, my hunting buddy slash cameraman slash electrician is gonna find. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm, not, I, I'm no good i'm no good at that i need to delegate that too to someone being colorblind i i look you know to the red wire and i, I don't have a clue i uh-huh. just pick one. Oh, that would be a disaster <laughs> yeah. although probably about as effective as mine are anyway so my repairs are we've uh i've actually i was battling the same thing i've just got a utility trailer that one light doesn't work in driving like the the on lights don't work when you're driving and the other one doesn't work in reverse so I, I don't even know where to start on that. It's probably a yeah. fuse in my truck if I'm lucky. But you know these trailers, they're they're nice trailers, especially when you pull them off the lot. But none of them are built with the intent with what we do. I mean, well, they're made to pull down the road hauling motorcycles or yeah or what. Take the Interstate 90, not gravel. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we run down the interstate going over the speed limit most of the time because yeah. we're in a rush to get where we're going, and then you jive off a off the interstate down a gravel road and then dive into a field that's chisel plowed and it's bouncing all over the place and ripping them apart yeah and then the trailer sits all you know it sits all summer most of the time and mice you know get in there rust mice everything else you can think of corrosion on any little connector the bulbs burn out i know uh the thing that kills mine is the salt on the roads in south dakota yeah it's just it, it chews up any wire almost i'm guaranteed every two years have to replace wires on my duck boat I got rid of my decoy trailer a few years ago, which one less headache. Oh, that one was actually the one thing that never went bad on me. That's surprising, but I, I, didn't, use I didn't use it nearly as much as my boat trailer. So they're kind of constantly, uh, constantly in duress. So you are here in Minnesota. What do you have going on in Minnesota here? Game fair. Uh, uh, been an annual deal here for probably 10 years, at least uh, rich tone. We've got a, a uh, booth up on Waterfaller Hill, and it, it goes over two weekends, so it's kind of nice that I can come out and uh, work a show on a weekend, and I come up here and hang out with Rick. I can see my dog, uh, and then work the second weekend and uh, kind of kill a bunch of birds and one stone. That's perfect. I'm going to get back to your dog in just a minute, but for those who aren't from the Midwest, Game Fair is, I, I would say it's probably the biggest waterfowl event oh. in the five state and yeah you pull people region. from north dakota south dakota iowa wisconsin yeah. uh as well as minnesota and you, and you get a, a pretty good group of you know every i would say probably this weekend we'll probably see quite a few people from uh manitoba and ontario come down and you're always getting people drive all the way from nebraska yeah and you start seeing the same people and the same faces year and year so it's it's almost like a, a little reunion when you go there you know that's what i say you know there's certain people that i go there 
to see with the hopes of seeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Molkenberg's one. <laughs> oh he's yeah, on the, yep. yeah. I know John. He's yeah, he's a good one. Randy Bartz, um, you know, a couple other people. Uh, Randy's a good guy. He uh, he's from just down the road. From we actually talked about him yesterday. He's slightly related to Bill. Oh yeah, yeah. So. Yep, Pat Reimer. Them. He used to run. Uh, oh, herders, herders, herders. He used herders, to run yeah. herders. Yeah, yep. he he's another one that I I, I look forward to seeing when I come. What's up that to, guy up to these there. days? I haven't heard hiding your hair. Being a family time. guy, really he's out there. Yep, raising kids and working and being a family man and teaching them about the outdoors. He, uh, I can't say he sold me the first goose call, but he handed me the first short read goose call that I ever bought. <clears throat> I made a trip up to. I can't remember what town that store was in. Herders up in Spring Lake Park. Spring Lake Park. That's yep. it. And uh, I bought a, a Glen Scobie short read, the one that looks oh, like a, the one that yeah. looks like, a, the looks painted, like a, Did yeah. it have the painted logo on it? Yeah, I, I yeah. bought one of yeah. them. The gray Portland one that looks like a crack pipe. Yep. 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 Well, I wouldn't know what those look like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've seen it on TV. Yeah, yeah it looks yeah. like one of those. So yeah, that was my first short read. Yeah, and he he was uh, the guy who handed it to me. I, I don't I don't feel like he didn't know a ton about it. They must have just been recent enough that he wasn't super familiar with them. Then, because I feel like later on he got to know quite a bit about him or was involved in the calling more than back then. That was a cool store though, actually. It wasn't that big, but man, it was no, like decoys. Waterfall. Yeah. yeah. Then they had decoys yeah. just jam packed into it. Like the walls were covered, it, which is interesting. Cause you my, know, back then when that first came out, there really wasn't, we didn't have, well, there was only, we like didn't five have the big bar. box stores and, yeah. and you look forward to those, like almost like a Bible when you get the little thin catalog yep. would come in the mail. I remember, I remember the herders logo on the, on the, pamphlet that would come mm-hmm. and also back then there was only four or five decoy brands and right. you did and you did not have the internet you didn't have the social media to find out about yeah, all the new stuff and that was basically the catalog yeah yeah that was cool yeah, that's I, when those things hit that's when your wallet would drain <sighs> yeah you saved yeah. up to make a trip somewhere uh-huh. Merck's, I, I that was hers was around but right as i could drive and before i could drive I remember like i'd get my dad to take me up there and even if we didn't buy something it was just cool to see what there was like Oh my God, G and H decoys. Like that was the pinnacle back then, you know? And you're like, oh, look at these. If only we could have six dozen of these, it'd be so awesome. Yeah. Now six dozen doesn't even fill a corner of a decoy trailer. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing. I was talking the other day with someone about how how the the goose season got going in Minnesota once it kind of rebounded back from not having any giants around. And the guy who was probably known, one of the guys in, in Wasika, that was known as like a big goose hunter. He had a little, the small, like a five by eight, I think, trailer. And he had a half full of Bigfoots. And he had a, a big river goose call. And I like looked up to him like, man, that guy, if only someday I could have that. And, you know, five years later, every 18-year-old kid that was hunting had that had at least that running around. Mm-hmm. And now that's, now you don't even have a spread if you don't have 10 dozen. Yeah, that was years ago um, <clears throat> when uh, Herders was still in Wasika. The original store. I was going to mention that. Yeah, and then there's one on Lake Minnewaska. I think it was Glenwood. Mm. And uh, uh, once a year, you know, Dad would pack us up. I mean, you know, pack us, all the kids, and and go to those stores. And uh, they had that old catalog. And probably if I still had one now, it probably be worth hundreds, if not thousands of dollars. Uh, but go through and, and go through all that equipment and, and all that sporting good stuff. And we'd save our money and our paper route money and any, you know, babysitting money and, and go to herders and yeah, buy the, the, the styrofoam decoys or the, uh, um, all my first duck calls, all my first well, duck calls were the uh, Glodo Vit. Oh yeah. Yeah. Vit Glodo. Yeah. That's it. I yep. had one and I lost the insert in it. Oh yep. man. <laughs> 
the little metal reed, yeah, you yeah, know, in yeah. there. And well, they, of course, that's you know, I get it, and then I, it doesn't sound right, but obviously it's me and not the call. Yeah, but I get it out, start it, bending yeah. on that reed, and Ooh. then you're done. Yeah, right? but, not like a plastic. Yeah, those those back. you didn't mess around with. Yeah, and they, they had the old uh, uh, forty five um, duck calling record. Oh yeah! Oh, it was I've absolutely hilarious. Those. Yeah, I don't think most people know what those are anymore. Oh, yeah, no, it's right. like, called an album. <laughs> if, yeah, no yeah, one knows LP, what those are. But yeah, it's, it's funny they talk about the herders in Wasika because my grandpa actually worked there. That was his full time job. Really? Yep. Before he died, okay. um, and then which is weird because I have a, an interesting history with that because he died. God, when I was like five or six, and then the herder store closed down just in that time, right in that time frame somewhere. So I have very vague memories of walking in that front door and seeing the big polar bear standing there. Yep. That's about all I remember. I remember the old, the building was empty for years in town. I don't know if people just didn't, no one wanted to buy it or if it was just too old or what, but it was a cool thing to have in town. And I, I wish that, I wish it had been still been there because it was basically the first version of a mini box store. I mean, it had everything. Yeah. It wasn't just a waterfowl store. He had, I mean, it was the top of the line for everything at that point in time. And they actually made a lot of their stuff. So they were kind of this like innovator in the outdoor world. Now they're in basically just a fragment of what's left of Cabela's. They have a, a name out there, but there's really not a herders left anymore. How they went from the name of basically back for a while, they were pretty much the duck decoys, weren't they? Oh, they were. Yeah. 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 I had a yeah. bunch of them. We had like probably six or seven dozen of those between the set, the big ones, I think were the 72s. Yeah. The small ones were the 63s. We had a bunch of those. My dad, uh, I know he won't listen to this, so he gave them away when he uh, when I left home, and I'm like, because they'll never be worth anything. No, right? no, yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I, I think the weights, just those the round weights that go over the heads, yeah, I think they're worth like eight bucks a piece. And wow. we had we had a, like nails on our garage full of those things, gave them all away or threw them away. I don't know. I still did. have, uh, I don't have the whole complete dozen, but I had I started out with paper mache. Oh my. The paper mache duck decoys that my dad got out of the Raptors because, you know, he wasn't sure how far I was going to get into this, and yeah, he had some, and he said, well, I'll just pull these out. I've still got, you know, probably six or eight of them. Really? And a, a couple of them, though, you know, like the duck calls, they're, they're never, you know, they're never tuned right, so you got to retune them. Yep. Well, you know, I had to repaint, you know, half of them so they don't have the original paint on them, but still turn some into black ducks, turn some into, you know. Cool piece of history, too, though, to have. Yeah. I mean, oh how, yeah. How many of those yep. you think exist in the world anymore at all? Who knows? I mean, because if they sit in the barn and get maybe. humidity after that minute, they just turn to mush. But yeah, they might like have been inside. Disintegrate basically, yeah. don't they? Yep. Yeah, it's cool to think that that's. I mean, that was back when we'd use uh, getting the uh, nuts and bolt drawer and get a bunch of uh, get some nuts and time together. Oh, for a weight. And yeah. Use it for a weight or an old yeah. spark plug or you know something Whatever like you that. Could find yeah. at that point. Yeah. I, I feel like my dad never. He was always the guy that. Because he was my, of course, like supplier of hunting goods until I was old enough to get a real job. And he always had, we actually had real weights. Um, and the, But the good thing is lead, lead wasn't like it is now. Have you looked at lead, at decoy weight prices at all? If you buy like a dozen of the, um, say like those J weights yep. or anything like that, it's like 40 bucks. Oh, wow. <laughs> I like gold. It might yeah. be more than that. Well, you might cry when you go to throw one out and it splits off the decoy. And yeah. Oh yeah, lying. it's it's in, yeah, like yeah, yeah I, I lose probably. I'm sure Here in a dozen, thirty or, years will be people out there mining the river, <laughs> digging around on the bottom. <laughs> it's crazy because I remember I was looking at them. This is right before I left Cabell's, and I hadn't I hadn't paid attention to what prices on them did, 
And I looked on the shelf one time and I was, I was like rearranging the waterfall area because it's kind of a mess. And I got to the decoy section or the accessory section. I'm looking, I'm like, oh, the, the price tags must be out of place because there's mm-hmm. just those little box of like, I think it was the, either the Tangle Free or the Avery ones. I'm like, that can't be the right price. And I look it up and I match the SKUs up. I'm like, son of a bitch. They're like, it was like $49.99 for a dozen with the bungee cords on mm-hmm. them. Some of that. That's more than what uh, yeah. a dozen decoys cost almost for some of them. You save up a lot of lunch money right there. Oh. Yeah, that makes it worth going out and uh, collecting uh, those trailer or the tire weights. And the like tire weights, stuff. right. Yeah, if you could get your hand on some of that. Oh, I don't know if it's worth the, the process. No, it's, I tried that last year. It didn't work. No? No good? <laughs> I bought a mold and tried it, and I, I just couldn't keep the lead hot enough, and it didn't work. Oh, and it's super dangerous. I mean, you can't you can't even be in a closed room with that stuff. Right. That stuff will put you in your grave real quick. So we're talking, oh, so we're talking about your dog. Um, I actually, so your dog is fairly famous in the dog world, in the waterfall world, I would say. Carl. 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 Spelled with Casual a K. Casual Carl. He, uh, so I've seen him on TV and stuff before, but uh, right when I pulled up to Rick's house here, Rick was training and Sean was out shooting uh, flyers for him. I was not shooting. I was shooting missing. At. I was shooting missing. at. Yeah. I'm a, I, lot, I got, I'm a lot rusty. That's That's the... I got to witness some. I didn't know who it was out in the field, so I, hey, I watched. Listen, listen, <laughs> listen, I learned to blow a goose call so well that I got. A, I can call him in so Just close that I landing. can shoot at him, miss three times, still have time to reload. Perfect. I am not. I have never claimed to be the world's best shot. In fact, most times I purposely leave my gun unloaded so I can say, "Oh, I forgot oh, to man. load it." So you don't because you have so a, I don't you miss. have a really good witness right yeah. behind you every yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, and that's why I got to have a dog that's trained so well because when I do They're wing really one. And he's out there 400 yards. I can still get him. Well, that's what I saw. That's what I, I saw was how far is that, that station that he's at? I think we had the, that flyer was out there probably about 275 yeah, today. I yeah. Yeah. Which is about 275. For, for my, so I've known Rick for, um, I've probably, it's probably been eight years, I bet. Oh, ten, eight, at least. Eight, probably, yeah. Probably 10 years. I think we knew each other back when I lived in Minnesota even. Oh, well, yeah. We did, oh, yeah. Because sure, sure we had hunt up here yeah. at. Um, um, On the river. Oh, we're on the oh, river and, and uh, Onamia, Onamia, Lake Onamia. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, so it's been it's been a it's long all time, a ten years. Yeah, and yet I've never hunted with one of his dogs, and I've had my dog I think eight now years, and so we just used her because he's always been out to typically been out my way hunting, and I've kind of always wanted just to see what they could do. And the first thing when I I pulled up and I walked down there, and, and uh, Rick grabs Carl and sets him up, and I see this duck get shot. I mean, I'm talking like it's it's actually hard to see the duck because it's that far away. Yeah, you can, that's you can not see even it. a long distance. Yeah, that's what I, I gather. <laughs> that's like a mid-distance. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And I see, all I could see was the wings flutter, yeah. and you hear pop, 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 pop. It's a little dig there. Five, right. five, shots going, <laughs> five shots going up. Anyways, you see this thing fall, and like, this dog's in. I figured it's going to take him a couple, like, stops and whistles to get him back there. And dog just takes off, and... I don't think you even had to do anything for that one. It was just straight out to it. No. I'm like, that was impressive. And I'm sure there's other dogs that do it, but it was, it was really cool to see it. And as I sat there and watched for probably half hour, just kind of a couple other dogs come and go and they're all top notch like that. And I started thinking in my head that I was, I didn't dog on trials dogs, but I just didn't, I didn't understand it because I've never seen it. And my thought in my head is these dogs are always like hard to handle and super high strung 
No, and that's so pain far in, yeah, from pain in the know, ass. I, that's one of my biggest, biggest pet peeves in the industry. And people give this misnomer to field trial dogs. And then you start the whole American versus British and mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. It's not the case. And Rick can attest these field trial dogs to be able to do the job, the task at hand and do it well, because this is a sport where you pick a winner. It's not pass or fail. It's yeah. not pass or fail. Yep. You pick a winner and to have a winning level dog, they have to be able to be compliant. They have to be able to sit there. They have to be able to watch birds. They cannot be an idiot bouncing around fire coming out there. Like these, like people have in their brain, you know, yeah. their mind when they think of field trial dog, it's complete. Now, not to, not to say that there aren't some of them dogs that are in that, that try to in play this game. game. Very, very few of those are successful. They get, they get well, weeded out. I can know? see that for sure. Cause I'm like, as I walked up and as I stand there, they would, I totally, this is not the scene I would expect. But these dogs were all, they're chained up, but I suspect you probably didn't even need them chained up because they were laying there casually, no barking. I could walk up to them and pet them yeah, all. They're yeah, friendly. Yeah. They're as friendly. I mean, they, they kind of got them in normal. Like you got them tied up with a piece of meat, like just off the yeah. off the rope that yep. they can't quite get. No, it's complete. I mean, these are, I mean, my dog, he, when he's home, he lives in the house. He sleeps either in my kid's bed or in a chair. I mean, when you go to open the door to let him outside, you get you, you waits there and says his name, and he comes when he, you know they're they are what you make them. Well, I think a that, lot of times I think if, what you just said there about having them in the house. I don't, I don't obviously your dog trials dogs aren't you can't have ten dogs running around your house here, but I think having them in a house conditions them so much better than or or letting them out a lot. I think what happens though is like my introduction to to dogs in general was. My dad was no dogs in the house, and the dog only comes out when you're training or hunting. So I had all these visions that these dogs, like you let them out, you know, the damn things would they're run around so fast. They're so happy to be out. The grass was torn apart. <laughs> and I'm like, God, I don't like that. Well, as I kind of slowly got to see other people's dogs, like, well, their dog lives inside, and, and it still hunts just fine or even better. And it's awesome in the blind, and it's calm. It's not jumping on you because it's conditioned to be. Well, they learn people. to be around people. Exactly. And they, they, yeah. They learn how to interact too, yep. and how how they fit in. Yeah, what works. Yeah, what works for them. And, and, and yeah, they, they get sh- mentally sh- stimulated outside of just. Yep. And they're not just going ape shit every time training, they get a chance yeah. to be outside. No, they should be part of the family. I mean, yeah. they, well, they, they add so much to our life. Yeah, they, they take yeah. a look at when they when they pass away. Just how much. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you got one that passes away, and it it eats you just. Right. It's like a, a family, a close. I mean, it is a close family member. Oh, for sure. Passing I, away. We actually talk about how our dog. I think she thinks she's human because, like, when she, our neighbors let their dogs. We have a big yard, and they, our neighbors' dogs. I think it's like a Brittany and a Setter, two different like pointers, and they go tearing through our yard, and our dog won't even doesn't even bat an eye. They'll come run five yards past her, and she'll just be like, hmm, whatever. But, you know, if a person comes in, they're right up, she's right up to them and petting her, licking sure. them and wanting to get petted. So I think she almost has associated herself with a human. And like, like you said, I, she's for sure one of the family. And as we were, we were talking a little bit before we recorded this, and it's one of those things, like, if when you lose a dog, like, I, don't, I haven't lost a dog since I was a kid. And, and that dog wasn't, wasn't part of the family because it did just live in a kennel. And um, I know that we were, I was saying that, that, that video that uh, Tony Vandemore put out about, I can't remember the name of the dog that he lost, but had a big, like a few minute long tribute rough. to it. Yeah, rough. rough. Yep, that was it. Put a, like a tribute out to it. And it was a really well done video. 
from the few seconds that I've seen of it, but I, I can't make myself watch it just because I know I'll be a, a bumbling fool after it. Cause I dang near make myself do that. Just thinking about losing the one hey, I have now. Hey, they give you everything they got and they never complain. They never have a bad day. They're there for you. When you wake up, they're there when you go to bed. Oh, for sure. You know, I mean, I spend more time around my dog than I do my girlfriend. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that's, sometimes that's on purpose. Though, right? <laughs> yeah. They're, uh, uh, yeah, it, it, it that's one of the hardest things we make and it's it, and it's one of the hardest decisions to make because uh, we we know how painful it's going to be to lose that dog and and now when you get a dog that's getting older you know my old dog Abby she she did good till she was about 14 and uh um it it got to the point where we had to make that decision um and I guess lucky for me I was still training down south and on my way home and Barb had to take her in and I didn't have to go over that. It was a, it was a sad, sad day. Um, and I'm going now with my dog, my dog, Rudy, who is, who's a little bit younger. He's only nine and he has been my field trial dog. He's been my hunting dog and he, he's got a little bit of a back injury going on and we're working with the vet and we're working with a chiropractor and doing some things. But basically I've retired him as a field trial dog, which is, which has been hard and um, I'm probably going to have to monitor his hunting ability, you know, and or, or uh, the it's, amount of times I can it's hunt It's so them. sad because, you know, they don't live long enough. No. The good ones don't, never live no. long enough. They and, need to be like and, 30 years old. It's such yeah. a short time span, and you know, and you work so hard to get them to that point where they're on, and it's usually from four to seven, maybe eight, and peak. then they start taper they get injuries yep. because these dogs are athletes and they go so hard they you know yep. torque stuff and they can't tell you a lot of times that they're aching yeah. but they are you, see, you might see it mm-hmm. a little bit in right. the land you know or and that, something. that's you know like my old my old old dog uh deuce we put him down when he was 12 that's and not old at all. and you know he mm-hmm. he at the end he battled cancer you know and we had it removed and this and that and i remember you know it's so hard to make that decision and the we put him down on, on January 2nd, 2013, and there's an interesting story about mm-hmm. Carl, because Carl was born, we put Deuce down on January 2nd, 2013. Carl was born on 1-2-3-13, ah. So I'll play on numbers. But, yep. you know, that whole fall, we had retired him from hunting just because he's just getting old and, and, and couldn't hear the whistles and stuff at long distances. But you watch the video footage. The guys kind of knew. The camera guys knew that this is probably his yeah. last deal. And, you know, we put him down. I took him the day before I called the vet. I took him to, there's three spots that I could get, he'd get amped up. One, when I pulled off the highway to get at the house, he could be in a dead sleep on the bottom of the floor, mm-hmm. not know where he is. Middle of the night, he'd pop up howling. And he's not a noisy dog. The yeah. second one was where we do the European pheasant hunts. And this is a place where growing up, <laughs> like heaven they, I was a guide there, but if I couldn't guide and I had to work that day, they would call me and want the dog. They didn't care so much about me. They wanted the dog. Yeah. Everybody there wanted to hunt over Deuce. So he'd flip out there. And then another place during the summers, I'd take him out to my buddy's lake. And I had pattern blinds set up. I had one at 650 yards, one at 400 yards, and one at 250 across the lake. Solid swim. My wife would say, would you take him? He's he just, you guys got to go either shoot something or do something. And I'd take him there about three times a week. And when I pulled on the road, he'd start, you know getting oh, noisy wow. and knew that that's he'd be in a kennel and know where we are well when i took him at the at the end i took him to the pheasant deal and he didn't move and i said it's, it's time but yeah. but looking back on all the video footage i could see that i went 
as humans, we let this, they, they tell us, but we don't pay attention mm-hmm. that he was okay, ready. Or, or, he was ready a lot, lot sooner than, than I mm-hmm. was ready for it. Ah, oh, man. Like, so mine's getting to be eight and she's got the gray muzzle, starting to get the gray muzzle and the gray on the feet. And my girlfriend wants to get a new dog. And I'm like, she's got, cause my dog doesn't, I don't field hunt with her much and I don't do any of this. So she's not, she's an okay. I mean, she's chubby, but she's not in, she's not chubby. She's big bone. Yeah, no, she's chubby. <laughs> she's chubby. She's perfect for how I hunt or yeah. in the water. Oh, she can and float. She floats. <laughs> awesome. She's, it's, it's kind of funny cause she's this big dog and she's not, she's really low, like low, uh, energy, I guess you'd say, but she'll, she's, she'll hunt like crazy, but she'll be this, you see her running around. Like if you were, you're any of your dogs out here would double up on her on getting to a, a dummy out at 400 yards. But in the water, she's so calm and comfortable because she's so big. She'll just go, just motors right past all these other dogs. That- and she probably knows how to play the river. Oh, yeah, she, she's, she's yeah. a hunting yeah, machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've yeah. got to hunt with her yeah. and she, she knows how Hard to hunt. Cause yeah. I've done, I, because honestly, you hunt. Yeah. And I did very <laughs> minimal training. I taught hand signals and no, she she's handles. okay with that a bit, yeah. but I mean, I did minimal. And she just picked it up just from having birdshot over. But it's funny how, so she's getting to be eight years old and she hasn't had a lot of wear and tear on her. So I think she'll probably live. I mean, I think I'll be on with her for at least three, probably four more years. I'm hoping. Oh man. I got the one out in the kennel out here. Trace. He's 12. He'll be 12. Uh huh. And I think he'll live to 15 and I'm like, come on, dude. No. <laughs> I mean, he's a dog. He's a dog that everybody loves to watch, but uh, you really don't want to own. He's that kind dog. of pain in the ass. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Like it's, he's it's always something he wasn't i mean he's a nice he's a nice dog he's a great pet he wasn't uh wasn't a real good field trial dog because mm-hmm. he was a little bit i mean he was one of them like a balloon you'd squeeze one and then it'd pop out some mm-hmm. every day it was something new with him but but he i mean he done some amazing stuff hunting climbing walls going yeah. up river banks and yeah. and That's stuff cool. like that but he was always the maintenance on him was always Just, you always had to keep your thumb on him I'm, could never like i said everybody loved day. to watch him but nobody wanted to take him home. But my kid, he sleeps in bed with my kid, and he's my kid's best friend. So that's cool. Yeah, you're talking about that that one retrieve, and and it impressed me so much that I I put it on the end of one of my fall dog videos, and I, to me it was the greatest. Well, one of the greatest. I've seen Deuce do some unbelievable stuff, but he the dog actually scales. Uh, 15 foot uh no nah, i mean he got okay. a good jump and i it was i don't know a, yeah, he scales a straight up yeah. cliff they're hunting the river the bird sails up on top of the thing so that you know how the riverbank comes down from being washed yeah. out and 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 trace leaped up there and yeah, a couple of hands halfway up well because the bird fell you had the way you had to send them you know the bird fell off to the front right you had to send them the only spot they could get up the riverbank was straight ahead so you kind of had to run a blind and go up the riverbank and then handle them on a hard over to get it and then bringing it back the same. I mean, I'd come like oh, yeah. basically dive down, do cliff diving to come in. <laughs> but, oh, it was crazy. Yeah. And he got his feet up there and he just pulled himself oh, up. Oh, he wanted birds. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He he wants birds to please you. But like Deuce, like that one hunt down there in Missouri when we sailed that. He talked tail, about it last week. <laughs> 250 yards down a, down a levee to our side, it sailed and it went in at treetop height. And I was actually filming, and Rick was running the dog. And he, Rick's, Rick's looks at me. He goes, I don't know. And I said, he saw it. Send him. And he sends him, and Deuce runs 250 yards down the levee to where the duck went in at treetop high. Oh, my. Makes a hard left and goes in there for 15 minutes. 
And he's like, are you worried about him? I'm like, I don't, he'll come back. If somebody is public hunting behind us. Oh yeah. You know, uh, what was that? Three, not three rivers, but, uh, down there in Southern Missouri. But, uh, Duck Creek. Yeah. Duck Creek. No, no, no it wasn't, wasn't Duck Creek. Duck Creek is a further one south of that but oh, anyway he comes yeah. back with this drake pintail in his mouth after 15 20 minutes i mean he was a hunting dog just turned me loose and let oh, me go that's so cool <clears throat> so that to finish up the quick thing about mine she's getting to be the point where i know i've got limited years left of her hunting and my girlfriend wants to get it other just because she likes dogs she wants to have another dog around like I'm, i know of course i'm one of us to train it and do all that but i said that's not why i don't want to get one yet because I only like to hunt one dog out of my boat if I can. Just space and water coming in and all that kind of stuff. And there's, we're hunting small groups of guys, so we don't need two dogs. And I go, you know, I could never, ever leave Echo, my current dog, at home to hate, have to take the puppy out. But, of course, if you have the puppy, you have to take it out hunting. Like, I could never bring myself to leave that dog at home to take this other one out and i just like it'd kill me to know she's sitting there knowing i was hunting without her because i feel like yeah I'd i try home. to space them out like i ideally i like to space them out about seven to eight years apart because yeah. you got the one just coming down as the one's coming up it just happened to work out getting carl a buddy of mine i actually raised the puppy for him he sent him out the training and then he had to pick between a couple of puppies and he picked the other one and he said hey you want carl and i was like uh, you know and i just put sure. deuce down and i Really what, but I was like already attached to him. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Once that's the one thing I'm afraid of. If like I ever end up at a place with her that has some good puppies, I'll be like, I'm doomed. Because once, <laughs> yeah. you, once you see them, you, you know, can't. and it's funny though, like we're talking about dogs a lot, and it, you could tell the excitement in all our voices talking about in, in, oh, the, for in sure. the memories and everything. But that's one thing, that, you know, waterfowlers can disagree on calls and, and on decoys and setups and all that stuff, but we all love yeah. to hunt over. Good quality, well trained retrievers. You know what's funny is I was not a dog guy. I kind of I, if you had met me ten years ago, I I was like, eh, I don't I don't need dogs, which made no sense for being a guy who hunts water hundred percent of the time. I could have saved yeah. myself so much heartache and misery mm-hmm. walking through mud by having a dog. But just because the dogs I'd seen prior, I was like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. Then the minute that I got one, I just like. And the, the cool thing, one, the one thing I actually really love about the fact that I have a dog, I love her, the dog itself, and I love watching her work, but she's actually made me, like, kind of grounded my duck hunting a little bit. So I got to a point. Changes what it's all about. It, it absolutely yeah. did. I got to a point where I was in my, like, low 30, 30, 31, 32, whatever, 33, and I was only a mallard hunter. Like, I wouldn't even, I could have had a, a little slough filled with a thousand blue-winged teal, and if I couldn't find, send enough, me the pin. If yeah, if send I send me yeah, the yeah, pin. Yeah. See if I couldn't have found enough I'm a mallards. Shooter. <laughs> yeah, if I couldn't have found enough mallards around, I would have been. Nah, I don't need those teal. But yeah. the minute I got that dog, I'm like, you know what? For one, it's stupid of me not to just go hunt ducks because I like to hunt yeah. ducks, and I just kind of. That's would, an evolution of your yeah, being yeah, a it duck was. hunter. You, it know, was. you start out all driven and want to just yeah. shoot, shoot, shoot. Yeah, and then I've got oh, I'm only going to hunt green heads. Yeah, and now it's like. For one, the dog loves it. She could care less if I shoot a, a teal or a mallet or a spoonbill. But I, it's actually made me just kind of go back and enjoy a lot of more basic stuff than I did before. So I'm super glad that I got one. I mean, it, it's made me a completely different like hunter person. I guess oh, my, yeah. my hunting personality has has gotten much better since then. I was almost getting burned out because I was so just driven on only getting greenheads and almost a not even a purist, but like a snob. I was just, yeah. Kind of you know, I can't it. tell you how many people come up to me 
at a show or just it, at Menards or Home Depot or wherever and come up and say, hey, man, I, I watch your stuff all the time, and I want you to know I got a dog because I seen your dog. You're, cool. you're watching your dog made me want to get a dog. And I'm like, well, you know, a lot of that I attribute to the training to Rick yeah. over here, you know, and getting them to that level. Uh, but I mean, I just kind of stand beside them and take birds and say their name, but uh, that's pretty cool that people see, you know, see a well-trained dog and that's their inspiration to yeah. wanting to get one. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they add so, so did, much. You did all the training then, or like, I mean, the, the groundwork. Basically with Carl. Yeah. Carl had a little bit of training when he, when he came to it us. It was like six, seven months yeah. old. But yeah. all, all of Trace and, and most of, of Deuce. Deuce. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. And yeah. they, uh, you've had some phenomenal dogs, but right. one thing that you guys do, both you do is you hunt. Yeah. And so yeah. you put, they birds and, and these dogs are, are, are so smart. They adapt so much, you know, and you, you put them in those switch situations. Um, they, they find the birds. Um, and sometimes it's they learn. It becomes autopilot. You know, I mean, well, it's know. like my old dog Deuce. We I guided on Wednesdays and Saturdays at Stuck Club, and they build this little uh, little blind that you stood on a pallet and put weeds and reeds on all oh, around yep. you. And a dog would sit on a dog stand beside you, and you'd shoot ducks. You and one other guy, and you'd shoot ducks. Well, they couldn't see. They just hear splashes. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. he could mark off of sound. Oh, that's cool. you know. I mean, they, just they because that's the when you hunt a dog in a certain hole or like your boat, yep. you know. They learn where, you know, where to where go. Or, you know, be. guys down south, they hunt the same duck hole all the time. Oh, yeah. Them dogs that hunt that all the time, they know where the cripples always swim to. Yep. You know, what bank they're going to go towards. Yep. And it, I was they hunting. learn. They get adapted to that kind of stuff. Yep, for sure. I was hunting with Jimbo. Um, and oh, I think Katie. his old dog, oh, Katie, Katie, yeah. Katie yeah. hunting with Jimbo and, uh, and, and drop some ducks in the hole. And just, just what you said. And Jimbo's trying to handle Katie and Katie's blowing off Jimbo yeah, she's like, cause she got, knows where this. the bird's going to be. Yeah. Boss. Get out of my yeah. way, brother. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. And she knows where those cripples are from hunting that hole yeah. uh, f- from all those years that she just knew where these birds gravitated to when they, you know, and, and. Suchi comes back with the bird. It was just—it's amazing. They're, they're, they're unbelievable. Those dogs add so much to our life. They add so much to our we're, hunting experience. We were talking about that the other day. You know, all the training you put into them, but you still wonder. I mean, how do they know that? It's—it's it's magic. Like we were saying, it's just—it's oh, yeah. got to be magic. You know, we try to put things in 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 human terms and stuff, but their senses are so developed beyond something that oh. we can't comprehend. And 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 they're so attuned, and and you know, like my field trial dogs, you know, they're they're so focused, like our great athletes, you know, like Michael Jordan or Tiger Woods or these guys that are are are, are so focused on this one thing, and then they have the natural talent. That's what these dogs are. They they are so focused on and uh, and what crazy about birds. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what when I was watching you just run these ones just a little bit ago here. Just the the minute that you got them off that, that chain, like they were just like you could just see this waiting for the the word to go. And, and I know, love that. Just like we every muscle is just tensed, and it's it's different from when they were walking around peeing in the trees. They weren't they were <laughs> they were pretty calm doing that. And then the minute they get up to that line and and that bird goes off, it's just like a transformation kicks in. And it was cool to see that. That's kind of my it was my first, which is really weird with how much I've been around shows and. I mean, how long I've known you, I've never actually seen these kind of dogs. So it's cool to see that. So I'm, I'm yeah. glad it's I got always that. nice to get somebody that just kind of getting into the dog games and take them to a field trial and say, this is the upper echelon. This is the upper. It's not 
Maybe not for everybody. Oh, yeah. Maybe the hunt test. Maybe just training your dog in the back backyard. But to be able to see what that bar is and what what's capable, what these dogs yep. are capable of doing, then you can decide what you want to do. Yep. So now there's one thing that there's so there's people who own dogs, and then there's guys that are dog guys, dog lovers. Well, mm-hmm. well, there's there's two different kinds of dog guys. I would say there's guys who have dogs who their dog is like their ego like you could have an and their dogs might not even be that good and i've known a couple of these guys whose dogs they they'll tell everyone that they're awesome and their whole ego is based on their dog being awesome and, I, and that was one of the things that turned me off about having a dog is it was just such like a for some people it was such as like ugh, like it just drove me crazy listening to him talk about it then you see the dog like that dog is not that great and then there's like i would someone like me who i have a dog huge part of my thing but like i will never be out like bragging about my dog because she's not i, I know she's good I, for you and good yeah, what you do like, because I know. even these dogs out here on rick's truck when they get up some days they look like they forgot where their lunch bucket was common, you know I mean? common <laughs> as dirt yeah they're common but, but you know you know where you're going with that is um and i and i think i've sensed this when we've hunted with with, with certain people that uh uh you know I think they're trying to compare my dogs to my field trial dogs, try yeah. to compare their dog, my, my dogs, compare their dog to my field trial dogs, compare their dogs to what they see my dogs do in training or, or, or what my expectations are. And uh, I go out and hunt with these dogs and I'm just amazed. I'm amazed at how well these dogs do. I'm amazed that these dogs understand this. I mean, I, I love hunting with Echo. Mm-hmm. I, I, Echo is a phenomenal hunting dog. Oh, yeah. And, and, and I mean, and, Mike and Anderson's she's Anderson's a little dog too. So yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Just What's a little peewee snot. And she's, I mean, I can't even remember her name. Uh, um, I was supposed, he was supposed to come over last night. We were going to record one of these as well, but he got hung up in uh, uh, an elevator emergency. Oh, oh yeah, elevator guy. <laughs> no, yep. she, she's yep. phenomenal hunting dog, and, and and she struggled a little bit with with what we did here, but but we got her basics, we got her understanding, we got her handling to a point. And then Mike took her hunting, and she's yeah, a phenomenal hunter. I've hunted with her a couple times yeah. down on the river. She's really yep. good. Yeah. Yeah. Actually had one of our, probably one of the best hunts I've ever had down there with him. Um, that was probably five, four or five years ago. And I think I think it was his dog and Wayne's dog were down there together. So it's cool to see those two hunt. And you trained both of those, didn't you? Yep. Was it the one yep. Wayne has? Yeah. No, not Wayne. That one of Wayne's was self-trained, but I trained okay. Mike's. Yeah. Okay. I had Wayne's last one, but that one of his was was self-trained but same thing they 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 hunt yeah. you know those guys hunt. there's nothing that beats the experience and that's Getting like when that pheasant place that i hunted do yeah. he knew where every pheasant would go and hide he just i mean huh. all you gotta do is just get on him and go yep. yeah he'd done it enough six thousand pheasants a year i mean he, times about eight years that. yeah you know? that's awesome over yeah. a lifetime yeah well one of my one of my better friends um guy it's either he's one of my better friends i turkey hunt with him a ton um, but don't duck hunt with him much because he guides kind of a couple different places. And But Ben Fuyan, oh, yeah. um, he kills a ton of snow geese and ducks, and his dogs are awesome. Mm-hmm. And he's, I think, all his training is self-done. And I think he probably is similar to me, like he does pretty minimal, but just those birds retrieve probably two to 3,000 birds. Those dogs retrieve a few thousand birds every year. By the time the dog's three years old, it's an amazing dog in the field, and they're steady. And they just pick up birds and, and go, go, go. And they'll, they'll chase a snow goose across the field 
Yeah, there's nothing. There's not a lot better to train dogs with than snow geese because yeah. I mean high numbers. Well, that and they can see them. They fall well, off. Yeah. And they can. Yeah. They can go a, a mile because they're chasing a white yeah. spot. You yeah, know? Right, right. No, I and know. I've run some blinds with Abby down in Arkansas that were just 800, 700 yards because you'd get to a certain point in those flat rice fields, and then she would see it. You know, and and by then you're beyond handling, but yeah. she would see that white, and it'd be so enough far. to get out there. Yeah, it was amazing. I can't even. I know my dog has chased. She's chased bluebills and geese out into the middle of lakes probably not 800 yards but to the point where she's a little black speck and i'm like i gotta get the boat out to go get her yeah and then by the time we get the boat out there she she's turned she's coming back at us with the dog all right now explain this magic show here they get out that far you go swim out there 800 yards i I couldn't know at at that level 800 yards yeah and just swim out there and then a duck's diving and you're chasing around you come up and get it tell me how to get back yeah, and they I mean, know. how the heck do you know? I mean, shoreline when you're two oh, inches looks, off the water, all looks the same all, to me. Especially if there's a wave. Yeah, if there's yeah. six inch waves, yeah. you're like, it'd be. That's what I'm so freaked of that, and so I've done it a few times. Where I'm like, we gotta get the boat out, and then she always is coming back by the time we get out because you know it's well. Sometimes it's easy to get the boat out. Halftime, it's a complete pain in the ass, and we get out there and. There she is, and I just grab her and pull her in, and she doesn't even want to get in. Yeah, like, hey, what are you doing? She's like, yeah, Yeah. I got this. Yeah, (laughs) don't worry about me. You dummies, just stay there and shoot some more ducks. Yeah, that's there. You know, and that's that's the other part. You know, and when you get to the legal aspect of waterfall hunting, and you know, you mm -hmm. can't. It's not like deer hunting when you cripple one and you can follow a bud trail and you don't find it and leave it overnight. With waterfall hunting, oh yeah, if if you have to make the law says you have to make an immediate. Yep. an immediate attempt to yep. retrieve and reduce that bird to back. Yep. So you can't let them bleed out. You can't do all that. You can't yep. wait, for, you know, cause there's more geese coming, you know, you got to get up and you got to get them. And that's why these, you know, having these retrievers that are trained, you know, I mean, I can handle yep. Carl and trace as far as they can see me and hear the whistle. I can, I can send them on it. And that's, that's you know, that's, that's so nice. handy for when you're, you have a lot less chance of losing birds, but it, like you said, I know of instances where, Guys who have gotten tickets because I, I feel like they weren't, they didn't have dogs, but they'll have five or six guys in a field shooting mallards and they drop one that sails out and they don't find it. The game warden watched them and I thought, well, maybe they didn't get a ticket because I think they stopped like one short just for that reason. Yeah. The game warden comes up and says, What do you have? Well, we, we have 29. Oh, well, what about that one out there? Like, well, we wouldn't look for it. Yeah, but you didn't find it. Well, Jesus. You know, and that's 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 one of them gray areas. You made an if you made yeah. an immediate attempt, you to should be it, fine. You attempted to find it, couldn't find it. You know, it's just one of the. That's, you're clear on the. That's the a, there's waste side. You're clear. There's so many. Waterfalling is. A, I mean, waterfalling is a tricky. World. You're almost guilty until proven innocent. On it's, every, a I lot tell of you, stuff. It's hard. If a, I think if a waterfowler makes it through, a uh, a guy who hunts hard and hunts a lot of places and shoots a lot of birds. <clears throat> If you make it through a waterfowl career without getting some form of a ticket, whether it's forgot a life jacket or well, maybe yeah. you shot one over that you didn't Accident, know. Accidents happen. And I yeah. think most game wardens understand who the actual villains are, yeah, who the guy, sure. the guy is just out hunting and he, he made a mistake. Yep. You know, so I got several buddies that are game wardens and they say, hey, good guys have bad days. Yep. You know, well, and that, that, that happens. There's just so many. I mean, when you look at, when you look at having to identify birds and some people are mm-hmm. very not proficient at that. 
um, and having individual limits on those birds mm-hmm. and then having shooting times, times yep. that's super easy. And, and it, it's actually, it's an easy one not to break realistically, but when it comes down to it, when you're actually hunting, it's super easy to be like, Oh, we're one minute short. I mean, everyone's done it. I'm sure yep. Yep. at some point in time, but technically that's against the law. Um, like when you start throwing different, like if you're hunting different States, and all the different regulations that places have, and different. Oh, that's yeah. Every time I go hunting, well, you guys, you know, I mean, I hunt mm-hmm. eight states yep. and two provinces, and the first thing I do is grab the book, yeah, and look for the section that says new rules. Well, yeah, new, and, and then yeah. check on the, you know, and yeah. try to study up on stuff because it's 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 so crazy how it's so different from state to state. Like the little mm-hmm. things that you can do. I mean, like what if someone went to Arkansas, didn't go to Arkansas last year, but they went every other year. And then they roll into Dave Donaldson and they slap some mojos up without checking the laws. Or grab two boxes of shells. Yeah, take, of, yeah. go in and buy a mail with or, two yeah. boxes of shells. And you, yeah. you don't know. It's there's crazy things that's, like that's that. one thing that I do uh, wish we could we could simplify. Yep. You know, because we're not, we're not getting, as a sport, we're not getting any bigger. No. We're, we're losing people. And yep. some of that has to do with uh, it's a tricky. lot of different things. Yeah. But some of it just has to do with... Gosh dang it, man! I got to have a college degree well, the bar- on rules to try to figure out. Yep. You know, it's there's if then, but if you know, even in the same state, like you said, yeah, you hunt one area to the next, you can have a, take as many shells as you want. This one you can only take fifteen. This is, you know, well, you can a, only shoot three ducks here, three mallards instead of four. Yeah, and, in a know, certain spot, it's just the one barrier to entry. I know yeah. <clears throat> the guys we talk a lot of big game, and um, they talk that all the time because, like I and you've probably seen it, Rick. When you go apply for Colorado, it's a hell of a different oh. experience than applying for Montana. Mm-hmm. And, the whole you, thing. and I and I apply in Wyoming, and it's an entirely different experience than either of those other ones. Hey, you know, you go hunt. Uh, you gotta you stay in Nebraska and hunt on the South Dakota side. Shoot oh. your birds over there. Yep. Throw your boat on a trailer and come back over. Well, guess what? Yep. You better tag those birds. Yep. Individually, otherwise you're transporting mm. birds across state line. And yeah. there, there's a and we deal with that. Yeah, there's yeah, we deal. That's, sure. that's I mean, what we it's deal just, with. There's all you know. There's places stuff like that could be totally because <clears throat> let's let's listen. I mean, we're not we our law enforcement should be putting a, a better effort into finding who the real bad guys are. I because yeah, I mean, yeah. we're not out there trying to you know smuggle stuff across borders and and some of those. I I actually I you know that brings up a good point. I think some of the waterfall rules need to be revised. Like the to t- reflect the times. Yeah, and we're not in to, a market yeah. hunting age anymore. No yeah. one's going to go out and shoot 50 mallards and sell them on the market. Yeah. So I, I wish the, the rules about transportation would be relaxed so that you... The tagging. The yeah, par- tagging. Even, the, even the party stuff. It, yeah, it gets, party you know, hunting. Because you know, what's okay. the difference if your boat shoots 10 or if you okay, shoot Okay, here, we've, I've, we had this discussion the other day online. What happens? Diver hunters. You got two guys in layout mm-hmm. boats are out here and they shoot four, four bluebills. Who, who shot what? And two of them are crippled. The guy's got to get around in the boat to go find him. And there's a couple of things here. One, your boat, like in Michigan, I don't know what it is here because I've never diver hunted here, mm-hmm. but your boat has forward motion from the oh, yeah. mechanic has to That's cease. Same here. Has to yep. cease. And your gun has to stay in the case yep. until that motor shut off and forward motion stops. Then you can't reload. How Whoever many made those rules? Never how many cripples are you going to? How many cripples are you going to reduce to bag? Because that cripple, you know, he's going to be gone. Yeah, it'd be impossible. You know, same thing with sea duck hunting out on the Great Lakes. I mean, yep. them things dive 150 feet. The next one is okay. It's a cripple. The guy in the boat shoots it, kills it. Whose duck is it? Who's whose duck yeah, who's is that? Who's that count it towards? Who's that count towards? 
you know, I mean, it's all those things that if, if the and that, guy that wants, goes back to the party hunt, yep. it's like, yeah, if the game warden in that particular case wants to be picky on it, that's why I say it's, it's almost amazing that you can make it through because even, even going out, like, let's say we, I take my duck boat and we all have my ducks in the boat and I go out and pick up the cripples. Say we got three that maybe floated away out. I go get them. All of a sudden, like all those ducks are in my boat. If a guy wanted to be a jerk, they could. Right. And I know, like yeah. even in, like, yeah. it's weird how they're enforced, because in like South Dakota, this is never enforced. Like you could have a pile of ducks, and no one says anything about that. But I know in Illinois, when I hunted there once, individually recognizable, you, yeah, you have to be able piles. to recognize which yeah. ducks you shot. Yeah, because like I was just used to, I just threw them all in a pile, and the guy's like, no, 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 no. Like, what do you mean? Like, no, we have to keep our own, even in the truck. Yeah, that's, have, you can't stop. Like if one, if you were hunting a, a walk-in or something, and if a guy had forgot his his uh, strap, you would have to, the other guy would have to carry him out by hand and couldn't put him on the other guy's strap because right. the other guy would have possession of his. Yeah, we had. Right. Hey, ducks. when I was about twenty, we were hunting public land. There's three of us had the same deal. We uh, my gun jammed and we were having problems. We were picking up decoys and we had three straps of ducks, and one guy took a bag of decoys his gun and two straps of ducks walked up there. We were trying to get my gun unjammed yeah. and grabbed him up. We were a hundred yards apart and the feds were sitting up there. They got him for having over possession. <laughs> Even though I'm it's standing so right ridiculous. there, you know, it's like, well, I, you know, like that's going against what the spirit of the law, yeah. I would think. I mean, there's like, and I, I've, I, like I said, I've, I respect what, you know, these law enforcement officers do. I've got a lot of friends oh, that yeah. are in that position, but yeah. you know, we could, probably help find the bad guys a lot more if if they educate the small fish yeah and we could help find the big fish out there because there are people out there taking advantage doing it too taking advantage of the resource you know you know the guys in your area that are doing the stuff that's wrong that are baiting that are yeah 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 Yeah. even i mean it's it'd be even interesting to relook at like the possession limit stuff because that's in south dakota this is one of the this is one of the craziest laws that shows how different this is from state to state so this is what I'm going to describe as legal in South Dakota. It's not what I do because I actually like to eat ducks. But if I went out my backyard and I shot aluminum mallards, or let's say I'm, not, I'm 10 miles from home, I go shoot aluminum mallards, I drive home, I get back to my place of residence, I can literally take those mallards and throw them in the garbage, uncleaned or anything, yeah. and that's totally legal. Or you know, use them for fertilizer, do whatever you want. But I can't have... 15 over 15 mallards in my freezer but i could go hunt every single day and throw them away yeah every day isn't that crazy yeah, it yeah. makes no sense like yeah. it's common yeah, sense it's, it's, it's common yeah. sense the possession limit has made it hard for good guys to to be good yeah exactly. you know what i mean because like you said i like to eat the stuff yeah and i do too i mean i would love more than anything to have my freezer just chock full to be able to eat so i could eat it a all meal, year a meal a week throughout yeah. the winter yeah. yeah but within by february you're gone and of course yeah. shit i got six yeah. more months till i can do anything or start turkey hunting or, oh yeah, you know. yeah. i got yeah. plenty of turkey too yeah. but it's just a different a whole different thing to eat so but still yeah i wish that that would i wish the possession limits would be relaxed. you know it would be parts one of canada of them. On ter- or manitoba there's no possession limit that's nice oh especially yeah. if you're on a trip. especially if you're traveling yeah well, it makes it so hard like i'm glad that, i mean luckily everybody expanded that possession limit to three days because right. if you're on a on a four day trip and things are good, it's hard to eat a day's worth of ducks, like five mallards in over yeah. a trip. And that's I really wish, and I don't know who the right person to really take a look at this stuff and standardize it across states. Yeah, and that, so that when you're traveling around, it's not so hard. And and it's 
like I said, we're not trying to do anything wrong, but some of these rules make bad guys out of good guys. Well, yeah, they make yeah, and and there's 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 instances where things are clearly done with complete disregard exactly. to the law, yeah. but then there's a lot of things where someone pulls you over or, or stops it, and they're like, "You can't do this." What do you mean? I I can do that here. Well, not here. You can't. <laughs> it's such these little differences that ah, just drives yeah. me. That's the stuff that drives you crazy. Yeah. And if I didn't travel the duck hunt, I probably wouldn't worry about it. Cause I mean, yeah. if you only hunt your one state, you know, everything, but man, you move around a little bit and it's, it's oh, crazy. It's, what, it's, what things, what things you can get you. So I'll have to have, I'll have to find someone from do a little investigation, see who is someone who could actually propose some changes to some of that and have them on as a guest or just ex- Maybe explain. You know, it'd have to be somebody on the flyway councils. Yeah. Or, you know, somebody at the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Yeah, I would Fish imagine. and Wildlife Service that would do it. It'd be a fun, it'd be a kind of an interesting conversation. I mean, because I understand a lot of the the rules that we're talking about now that maybe we don't we don't think apply, but they definitely applied, you know, 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. But now it's, it's outdated. It'd be like keeping the speed limit at uh, 15 or something like that. And things, have, things have changed. Um, so you guys were talking about uh, a hunt in Missouri and I know you guys have hunted a ton of places. I kind of want to do, I, I know we are. I, I got a question. Yeah. What was stone cold signature move? Stony Burke. Sorry. What was Stony Burke's signature Stone, yeah. move here? Yeah. So we'll maybe let Rick tell a little bit of this, but before he was a, we can't uh, let this go. Yeah. Before he was a dog trainer, he had, a slightly different profession that may it was interesting i didn't i didn't know it until after i knew him for a while google and, it and i well i did i i heard it from our other friend mark and then i'm like no nah. and, and i had to google it and maybe rick can just kind of tell us a little bit about what he did before he was a dog trainer well you know i've had an interesting life um <laughs> yeah. you know i i worked are you, re- po- are you reading your eulogy yeah <laughs> yeah 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 exactly <laughs> i I, uh, uh, you know, beside the assorted jobs that everybody has going through in high school and in and, and, and college, um, but I, I went to work for UPS and I worked as an accountant. So for nine and a half years, I got up and I tied that tie on and went to work and sat behind a desk and stared out the window and looked at the ducks and the pigeons and whatever else was flying by and thinking that's where I belong. And after nine and a half years, I quit that job and of course, uh, being young and stupid at 10 years, you get vested for retirement. So if I would have stuck around another half oh, year man. at this time, I'd, it wouldn't have been a lot, but it'd yeah. still be a something. Little trickle of income. It, yeah. A little trickle of income coming in. And then from there, um, did some assorted things and, uh, um, but anyways, got into weightlifting and bodybuilding and, uh, had a bunch of friends at the gym that went into professional wrestling. So, uh, uh, kind of started out, um, working with Eddie Sharkey, uh, who has broke a bunch of the road warriors and Rick Rude and, uh, 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 Barry Darso and, and, uh, um, Dean Peters and, and all these Minnesota guys broke them into the business. And, um, uh, so started out with, with, uh, working out with Eddie and then Eddie, uh, uh, moved his camp to Brad Ringens and, and with Vern Gagne and, Went through the Ganya camp and uh, uh, became a pro wrestler. Uh, I spent uh, some time wrestling here in Minnesota. Uh, from Minnesota, I went down to uh, North Carolina, uh, lived there for about six, eight months, 
uh, wrestled in North Carolina. From North Carolina, went out to Portland. Kansas City World Champion. I was the oh, I beat the Kansas City World Ooh. Champion. It wasn't, um, wasn't for the belt though. No, it was it was uh, a non-title bout. Sanctioned, huh? oh, right? Man. But anyways, went went You're out still to a Portland. Kansas City World Champion yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, went out went out to Portland, and you know the way this works, you know each level they kind of move you into a, a different position on on the uh, wrestling card, and 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 start giving you you know basically some more responsibility um and and move you you know closer to the end you know the main events and uh so from portland then went to uh kansas city and and, and as these guys mentioned i did meet beat the world champion bob brown on tv and uh, uh but unfortunately it was a non-title bout and uh had a had a a, a six-week deal there with bob brown where we you know we'd wrestle every night for the title and and uh, he had always beat me with some kind of disqualification move. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, um, but basically, you know, it, it was a really neat time of my life. I'm glad I did it. And I'm glad I, I got out. I have a lot of friends. Uh, I haven't kept in touch, but, but a lot of friends are, are dead. They're gone. Uh, it was, um, it was, it was, it was a different lifestyle, but I went from there and that's when I got into the dogs from there. And this, this is the place I belonged. And, and and got back into doing the outdoors during that time of my life. I didn't have time to go out and hunt and, and, and fish and do that things. And so now I've had that opportunity to go back. But it, like I said, it was a neat time of my life. I'm glad I did it. And I'm glad I got out. You know, it's it's funny that waterfowling brings all different oh, people sure. from all over, you know, different walks of life yep. and everything. And waterfowling is a common bond that yep. people have. What's well, one of those see. things that, like, you can just meet a dude at- if it says if you just mean a dude seeing it with a waterfowl shirt on somewhere and you immediately could talk for hours probably about whatever if you don't initially hate him which we always talk about too yeah, yeah that's yeah, duck hunters a, hate that, other duck hunters i think it's worse in goose hunters than it is in duck hunters there's kind of a different subculture yeah of there is one. a little bit goose hunters are a little more cutthroat and i'm gonna downwind you get to well, you, I, i'm gonna get part of it too is the the aspect of the field like you're a little more the permission game makes it mm-hmm. more difficult whereas duck hunting can be on private or public a little more and but there's plenty like we we, sp- tough, we spent a fair amount yeah. talking about it yesterday actually about how it's hard to, it's hard to get yourself out of the mindset of, of hating the next duck hunter that you see or every every time you see a truck pull up or a boat pull up you're like oh man these guys i don't need them here but you know i can't say that i never went through that stage but oh, where yeah. i'm at now i mean i'm happy um, for him yeah, you know that, if exactly. i show up to a field and somebody's already there I wave to them and I yeah, go on down. You know, and if it, I'm there you know, and they come shit, out and I say, Hey, off to the next do you want to hunt together? Yep. You know, because a lot of times, sometimes we do things a little bit different on different levels. And they, you may introduce somebody to dogs, to calling, well, to calling, a different aspect sure. that they weren't aware of yep. by just getting, you know, Hey, come hunt with us. Yep. Well, and you're Been way there. better off, yeah. you know? Yeah. I've tried to do that a bunch where I've even like had people on our, on our boats. So say, why don't we hunt together? Nope. And so they hunt, downwind of you at 200 yards and it screws both of you right. You're, and you know you don't have a chance God well and you it. get you know there might be some skybusters and a lot of guys would be you know oh, you yeah. hunt the river down there and you get guys yeah. that are shooting at them coming over the firing line yeah the first inclination is to just get po'd at them the, yeah. the, the right thing to do is drive over and say hey man you want to hunt with me tomorrow yeah because you you can call you know how to hunt and decoy yep. and get and show and you got Maybe a dog that can go get them bit. and show them that there's there's a different side to this than what you're doing, and you may like it more. We know the only problem with that is that everybody duck hunting is so 
so ego driven that everybody is the best. So that's the at some time at some time in your career. So other other people are going to be like somebody's "Ah, always, and you can you can try to stifle that, or you can look at it the other side. When I first when I first started hunting, I lived ten minutes from a managed waterfall area where literally you hunt a refuge and you hunt all the way around the square, and you've got 125 yards of field, and then the next guy's 125 starts, so he literally sitting next to me can hunt next to me. You know, and when I first started there, I was the first person with a trailer. I was the first person that could really blow a short reed goose call. Mm-hmm. People were blowing the 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 uh, big rivers, the big, big rivers. rivers. Yeah. yeah, but I could blow a short reed, and I could call birds from across the deal. Well, guess what? Some dude come out with a instructional DV- or video showing people how to blow short reed goose calls. <laughs> Who's yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. next thing you know, there's tra- every every vehicle pulling in. There's a trailer, and everybody can blow a short reed. So now they're up to my level, but I can look at that and be mad, or I can say, guess what? I got to step up my game. I got to be able to, and that teaching people to be better helps the sport, but it also helps you learn and become better and evolve the sport. I was going to mention on that, like it's, it takes like a different mind. You have to have a mind shift in your head for one of to let your own ego go a bit. And also just to kind of like take a different perspective mm-hmm. on duck hunting in terms of it's not a competition. I mean, it is in that oh, you you're got- competing for the same birds, but yet you're not like trying to. The problem I always see is like guys want to like, oh, we're going to screw them over instead of being like, why don't we try to make it good for both of us? Yeah. And, right. So yeah. that's, yeah, it's tough. It's duck hunting is so filled with egos that I think what we're, we were talking about how the different personalities roll into it and, and you do and, you, and there's there's guys that like you can meet and click with and like oh yeah i'd love to hunt with you guys then the next group like nope nope yep, we're good it, yeah. and, or one guy by himself and there's four of you and and he won't come yeah. hunt with you or vice versa and that just happens yeah. but if, if there's one group of those and two groups that will then yeah then it's you great won, you're winning the battle yeah i've made a couple of my i made one of my best friends that i have in, in south dakota um i met him on the side of the road we were both scouting the same same geese and i beat him we we're trying to follow the geese mm-hmm. and then there was through this area where all these flooded roads are and i beat him to the spot and i was immediately on the phone found the guy who owned it to my plat book called him this other guy calls up rolls up and goes oh i suppose you're hunting here tomorrow i said yeah yeah probably and i'm like you know in my head like this is like the one of the points in time where my like thinking switched i'm like i could either just say yep sorry or i said how about you want to come with and he's like yeah sure and so we, he lives 20 miles from me. We hang out a fair amount. So it's just that little bit of like a, an actual switch. I mean, I, I feel like that was like a changing point in my duck hunting career. Just, I was like, you know what? This actually doesn't have to be mm-hmm. a contest. So, and, and, and how the personalities in a duck boat, like I've met oh my gosh, yeah. several people in your blind for the yep. first time and, and vice versa. You hunting yep. with us and, yep. and, and I'll bring one of my friends or Phil brings one of his friends and we don't know. But, and, and what happens in the duck blind stays in the duck blind and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and nobody's safe. And, yep. uh, um, you know, right away the needling and the teasing and, yep. and, and actually it gets real fun is when you get down to one or two birds left and only one guy shooting. Yep. It, uh, the uh comes yeah, on. the pressure comes on and you get a chance to needle and poke and, and, and it's really fun when it bothers somebody. Well, and it's, <laughs> it's it funny to too him. how, yeah, give me an opening. Yeah. 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 I, need, yeah. I need the space. Yeah. yeah. It's funny how the, um, like people that would maybe not hang out. Like, I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys that I, for one, all of my friends duck hunt, but I'm different in that. I have a lot of different taste than like most of my like other activities most of my other friends don't do any stuff i listen to different music than all my friends 
I mountain bike. One of them does now do that. Um, I go to concerts. I like different things. All the yeah. stuff I do is different than, but duck hunting is the one thing. Yet those guys are the ones that are like I would say I'm the tightest with. And and I couldn't have, even though that's the only thing that I have amongst those one guys. I could never have a friend that I'd be really tight with. I feel like that didn't duck hunt at all. Like it would just, I would would never be able to talk about anything. I mean, mm-hmm. even though we do, even though like my other buddy, we mountain bike, we talk about that a little bit. But I mean, ninety nine percent of our conversations about our duck boats or our blinds or our decoys or a new whatever something, what trips we should take or where we need to go back to this year, it's all falls back to duck hunting. So like the way that that connects people, I think is it was like almost amazing actually because it just breaks down like walls with for people that you probably would never meet or um, even talk to for the most part. Sure. I know there was a, I think I mentioned this um, on a different episode, but it was one of those memes on Facebook or whatever it was floating around. And it was a, it just said, it had a picture of some guys duck hunting and it said, it was amazing. The number of amazing people I've met due to how I chase ducks or due to me chasing ducks. I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. I've met a lot of cool guys simply because we share the fact that we like to, hunt ducks or geese together Uh, yeah it's crazy that i keep in contact with people halfway across the country more than i do the ones that i grew up right i went to high school right you know yep just because that connection like you that that i think brings people together more so than even a a long historical friendship that you don't have that like a certain bond together and i'm at the stage in my duck hunting career where it's the guys, it's the social part. Yep. It's it's the going out for the beer and the burger. Yep. It's the you know it's Hand the needling. It's the hanging out. Yeah. There's. I don't need to go out there in five foot waves and and kill them. I I don't need to do that. I, I don't need I'm to still kill them. Stuck em. in both states. I, you know, well, I'm, I, I'm the same. I, I'm, I, yeah, I, yeah, it's but I, yeah. social. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's the what is it? There's the I'm trying to think what the five stages are, but the last one is they call like the experience yep. or the sportsman or yep. whatever. I'm not, I'm definitely not fully vested in that one, but then there's the method, which is definitely a lot of me, but then there's the one before that. Is it, is it limits or shoot? Yeah. something yeah. with bagging? Yeah. And I, I mean, I, there's no question. I still, I, I still say it's not the shoot. size of the pile. It's the size of the smile. Yeah. 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 You, know, yeah. you can have a whole, Hey, some of the more memorable hunts are the ones that we don't shoot a limit. That's the ones you remember. Yeah. Because yeah. they last longer and yeah. you have yep. more fun. And, you know, them, them quick hunts Something where you bang out happen. in 30 yeah. minutes, a limit of geese. It's like, okay, now what? What, yeah. what just yeah. happened? Man, yeah. I, I love yeah. that because it's one thing that absolutely drives me crazy on Facebook posts is I'll see guys that I'm, quote, friend, you know, people on Facebook that you're maybe a friend with on there, but you don't know them. And they drive out to South Dakota or North Dakota and they make a trip. And they shoot field mallards, and they go, their post is done before sunrise. Yeah. Like, so you drove from Ohio to South Dakota to have a 15-minute yeah. duck hunt, and you're happy. Like, so now you're going to go do what? Yeah. Like, I get it, because like, it's not like you're going to not shoot. But mm-hmm. social media is, to me, has really turned our sport into a narcissistic oh, sport. It's, it's so different. You know, when you're out hunting, I mean, take, take in what's going on around you. I mean, a duck could fly by and they don't know it because five people yeah. are sitting on their phone looking and they just took a selfie and they did this and they're going to post up that, you oh, know, for sure, you know, and they give such a false, uh, realization of what the actual hunt really was. Yeah. Partly because they want to be more popular and get more followers. Yep. And 
partly because they have no clue what really happened on the hunt because you're on social media the whole time. Or, yeah, taking a video of this yeah. or that. Like, and it's hard because, like, it, obviously you're It's videoing. hard for me because I have to do it for my yeah, job. Right. And You're videoing hunts, and I'm taking yeah. photos of hunts. But <clears throat> I'll even make a point. Like, I've the one thing I, I try to not do is I see photos of other groups of duck hunters where every guy has a camera in their hand. Yeah. And I'm like, luckily... My group, I'm the only guy who even has any interest in having a camera. And, and they're doing it for self-gratification exactly. reasons, not because they want, you know, they're, yeah. they're looking out. Yeah. And so, like, I'm like, man, like, you don't all need to be doing this. But even when I'm taking photos, I try to make it quick. I'm doing, like, okay, I'm going to spend yeah. two minutes doing this, and then, boom, I'm back to the hunt. Uh, and, and, like, not just constantly. And I wasn't going to bring this. We talked about this earlier. I wasn't going to bring it up. But that's why I like the turkey hunt. Because yeah. work waterfall hunting has worked for me. Yeah. And I've got the cameras. you got to do this, the pressure this, pressure that. And turkey hunting, I could walk out my front door and I could go turkey hunting for an hour in the morning and sit up next to a tree and not take a photo to post on Instagram, not do any of that. I can listen to the birds. Doesn't matter if I see anything. I'm out hunting because I do, I do really love hunting. Oh, for sure. You know, the, the, the hunt, true, the, the truest chase. aspect of hunting, the, the hunt. chase and the hunt. Yeah. It's different that when you make that hunting thing more than the hunt, all of a sudden it becomes almost a burden. Well, it's a job. Yeah, it's your job. And, and you like, need a hobby. You yep. can't, it, it's like this yep. dog, these dog trainers here. You do this from seven in the morning to seven at night, and these guys really don't have a hobby. And it's a way yeah. of, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a lifestyle. You've got to yeah. have something, uh, an outlet. You know, these people say 24 7, I live and breathe. Yeah. Man, you can only do that for so long. You have to, you, you have to get golf. You have to have something yep. that's outside of this. Yep. To charge your batteries. Oh, for then. sure. Well, I, mean, I save it up for yeah, December. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I get I get my elk hunt, and yeah, then I save yeah. it up, and that's when I get to charge some batteries. Yeah, and go and go spend my time and 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 do the hobbies that you know. Well, the hunting and the fishing. What's well, one of those things? Like that's exactly why I took up the elk hunting. It was to break up. I mean, because heck, for in South Dakota, our dang hunting season. Well, it used to go from mid August through February. That's half a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's all was within a two hour drive. I had hunting from August to February. I'm like, man, I just, I started getting burned out. So I took up elk hunting and then I used to, I used to hunt every single day off on the river in February for geese in January. And I got, I started getting a little sick of that. I'm like, man, this is just too much. So I started ice fishing a little bit, which was probably the worst thing I've ever done. Cause I, I hate it. <laughs> And love it more than anything in the world, but yeah. God. Um, but so, yeah, like just having those different things to break up. And I can still go goose hunt in February a little bit, and I can still do this. But I have now another thing that I like to do outside of just waterfall hunting. Because at some point, you're like, oh, man, you've, you've especially if you're not yeah. traveling and making it all like a unique experience. You go to the same spot, like, okay, I've been to the river 10 times in January, shot limits, eight of them. And what else? I mean, I want something different to do, so... Yeah, luckily I've never had it to where I'm. It's been a full-on job. I've done a smidge of guiding, which I know, which was fun at the level I did it, which was never like my full job. But in the end, when you're guiding, you're probably you're, not hunting with people yeah, that you would you're not, hang out with on a daily basis. So you're still it's work. It's it's work, yeah. and you're and you're like you're the manager of that field that day or that slew, whatever you you have to attend when, to people's safety and their expectations of getting a limit and watching whatever and listen to whatever stories they want to tell that probably don't involve <laughs> yeah. you at all and, and when you think about it too uh, like you alluded to earlier the opportunity right now when we're filming this there's guys in north dakota 
Yeah, goose hunting right now. Yeah, I mean it's still August. Yeah, and you can go hunt waterfowl all the way to end of March. I'll, you can if you want to travel to Canada. Yeah, you can go into May. Hell yeah, you can go. Yeah, because yeah. snow geese. You yeah. could actually make it almost a damn near a full year yeah. event. Yeah. Mm-hmm. July and and half of August without you know so the opportunities there and it used to be I mean we all remember oh, thirty day duck seasons. seasons. Oh yeah, you know yeah. and day duck and a day ducks. when when Canada geese would migrate from. James Bay, they'd stop at Horican Marsh, and then they'd end up in southern Illinois. And if you shot one somewhere else, mm-hmm. boy, you got, you know, the paper would be out, and they'd take your picture holding oh. it and all that. I remember our first geese. Yeah. Our first geese, we shot them out in western Minnesota, and we loaded them up in the truck, and we ran to town and got on the payphone and called Dad Collect. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that. Yep. Yeah. We were talking about that with someone else one day, and how I remember we sh- we spent, I don't remember if it was like half hour, an hour, Searching for a goose that while we were pheasant hunting, a, a, an actual V, I mean, they were that high up, flew over us while we were pheasant. I was probably 12 or 13 or whatever, young. And my dad shot at him, and this was back in the lead days, I think, and locked, it just locked the wings up and it sailed. I mean, it went hundreds of yards mm-hmm. and it flew into this like tall flourish grass. But we went over there and we searched for that thing for half an hour. And I remember I stumbled upon it, it was 100% alive. And I'm like, oh, <gasps> You know, my eyes pop open yeah. and I'm like, what do I do? And my dad runs over because he knew kind of what I was thinking probably. And there's pictures of me in my basement holding the yep. wings out, yep. holding <laughs> it up by the head over my head. You still yeah. got those pictures. It too. was, I mean, you it probably was get banned from Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Kind of photos. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Having a kid, kid with yeah. a goose. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was such a huge deal. And, and now like the opportunities and just the number of birds, I mean, we're South Dakota dang near tried to eradicate Canada geese just a couple of years ago it's to the point now where i don't have any interest in hunting canada's anymore in south dakota because the numbers are pretty horseshit i mean i think this year will be good we had a good hatch but we had uh 40 days probably 45 days of 15 bird limits wow. in august yeah. and september and it went to to the point where you couldn't find a field with over 50 birds and if you did someone was hunting it probably already <laughs> and you know back in the day 10 years ago, if we saw a field of 50 birds, we're like, nah, we're not. Let's go on to the next field that's got 300. So, yeah, like this, the amount of opportunity in the waterfall world right now was amazing to have. I think when I started, it was 30 day limits and, and it was a 30 day season. Points. And, and I three think birds. it was three birds. We were never points here, but we have three birds. Three yeah. Sure. I've never hunted. I never actually hunted under the point system. I know of it, but I feel like my dad said there was points way back in the day. But maybe not. But I know that. Can you imagine that having one one head mallard and you're done? Yeah, hundred points. But you know what though? You, you know what? You, you, got, your, you got your points. limits though. We did have points <laughs> years and years ago. Birds. Yeah, yeah, we oh, did. Yeah, for sure. For a short of time. Yeah, my dad mentioned it. I, I don't, it must have been like '60s. I'm guessing. Uh, but maybe even a little, maybe probably 70s. late '60s. Probably yeah. late '60s because I I think when my dad was first dropping us off down there. Um, we did have points there for a few years. Yeah, we, yep, we did. The 80s with oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I never had to deal with that. You know, that's one of those, it's one of those, it, it would help, it would avoid a lot of those uh, Facebook posts of what kind of duck is this? If, yeah. if everybody had to, yeah. to actually, you know, um, yeah. know, know what a duck was, later. know what a yeah. duck was before they pulled the trigger. It's one of, that's, that's one of the skills I think that a lot of people just don't have anymore and, I feel like I've been able to do it since I was little because I spent a ton of time just sitting down at the edge of the lake trying to watch and watch birds fly and try to pretend to call at them back then, which was <laughs> a joke. But um, you learn. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. I actually remember the first time kind of 
slightly interesting story. You might know know this guy that I'll mention in here. He has a of storied and interesting history in the Minnesota waterfowl scene. But um, some so Wasika, where I'm from, I, I was a pretty short bike ride to a shoreline of this lake, and it had some marsh on the one end. And I'd sit down there, and I'd take my fox duck call, and I would try to replicate hen mallard sounds. Well, one day I was sitting, I was up in a tree that hung over the lake a little bit, and I was just chilling, trying to listen for ducks and trying to blow my call a little bit and just being a probably 10, 12-year-old kid. And I remember from like a... Which, mind you, no 10 or 12-year-old kid would ever do now. Yeah, would never. be allowed yes. to by his parents. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. To, yeah. to go free... Yeah, here's a shotgun and a bike. Go yeah. hunting. To go yeah. walk down the shoreline. That was and, never and happened. And two dogs. That's, that yep. was how I started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's... Like, yeah, it just never happens now. So I'm, I'm blowing my duck call, and it was an evening, I think. And I remember like down the shoreline somewhere, I heard... It was noticeably a duck call. It wasn't a real duck. Someone else was blowing a duck call. I'm like, what the heck? So I blew back. And like five minutes later, this guy, he was probably 10 years older than me. And I was I was young. I'm probably 10, 12. And this guy was like 20. Comes walking down the railroad tracks and comes down to my tree. And he's like, oh, what are you doing? And I said, oh, just practicing my duck call. He said, oh, that was me. Or like, oh, cool. And uh, it was, I can't remember the other guy's name, but one of them was this Terry Middlestead guy who's oh, yeah. been... If, if you follow Goose Calling, he was all over, and he does a little guiding, and, and you know he's he's a good enough guy. He's got some history, but he uh, I remember that, and he was, but he back then was one of the guys that like ended up being, I think, state champion Goose Caller, and he was a hardcore duck hunter, and I, like just him and this other guy because we kind of knew who they were because they were the older guys than us that were out there doing it. And I'm like, I remember that yeah, I was the old guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yep, yeah. exactly. And and I remember that like, I was like super <laughs> thrilled that these guys said that I was a good duck caller. I mean, obviously I wasn't a good duck caller compared to what I would be today or even was a few years later, but just to have someone say that and to do it I'm like, Oh man, this is so cool. But I forgot the point of my story was even, but, uh, <laughs> I do that. That happens when we get old though. Yeah. yeah. I just start talking yeah. and then I, it's called I old timers. Want, yeah. Oh God dang it. I just had a, had a birthday a couple of weeks ago, so I, it's still fresh in my yeah. mind. Those just become every other day, just a regular day. You know, I'm to the point now where they don't even matter <laughs> anymore. I, I do you get this where you forget what you have to actually like think of how old you are? Like, am I 41 or 42? Yeah, do the math. Yeah. I've, I've had that a few times where I have to try to think about it. Um, okay. So we were, you guys talked about your hunt in Missouri. Um, you know, Rick, I know you've hunted all over the place just on your own and whatnot. And Sean, you've obviously hunted all over the place, um, for work, we'll call it, <laughs> which it is. I wouldn't downgrade that it's not work cause it's not, like, it's not like job. you're, yeah, yeah, it's, it's not like you're out yeah. friend hunting, yeah. but it is definitely, I'll promise you, I yeah. would rather do that yeah, than sure. spend 15 years as a manager at Cabela's. So but um, so like what you've hunted all these different places. What is one of the coolest? And if you could only hunt, let's put it like this. These are these are places, things I like to talk about just amongst friends. The one place that you would hunt if you could only hunt one place. You talking to me? Either of you. I can't no. answer that because there's just not one place because there's so many special places I mm -hmm. have. And in, you know, like in Manitoba, we go there and I was telling somebody the other day. I have literally watched little kids that could just learn to walk. I've been hunting there so long. They've grown up. 
and now they have little kids, mm-hmm. you know, and it's family when we go there. When we go there, we hunt in the morning, and then and then a couple of guys will go jump on the combines, and then we'll go help do this or that around the place, you know, on the farm. It's they're little family reunion. St. Lawrence Outfitters in in Eastern oh, yep. Ontario, you know, uh, Davy and Josh, and they're they're like brothers in in the goose hunting. Now, most of the places that I really like to go hunting, it's not necessarily that the hunting is just unreal and the birds are doing anything they can to fly upside down and get in your spread and die that has probably zero to do with why i like going to these places mm-hmm. like that makes sense you know and, and other places like eastern washington hunting with bill saunders oh yeah you go out there and i mean you fly i remember the first time i went out there you're flying over it in the plane and the plane's got the map and you're looking in the seat and you're looking down and you can see the columbia river and it just looks like other than the water going through, it looks like the moon. I mean, oh, there's yeah. nothing. It's such it's, a crazy it's desert and a few crop yeah. circles. You're like, where do you hunt them? And you go there and you hunt them, and you're really hunting them out in the desert in the cheatgrass. You know, there'll be a canyon that's filled up with water for some reason, and the birds are roosting on it, and they fly out into in these little openings in the sagebrush and tumbleweeds, and and it's fun. It's just cool. cool. It's different, you know. But most of it has to do with the people, the yeah. the faces and the places, and not so much the the birds yeah yeah that's kind of what i was getting at it was like for what not necessarily like because my favorite place to hunt isn't definitely it's definitely not the easiest place to hunt which right. would be it'd be the missouri river um and there's no place there's, like home yeah a lot of the and there's stuff. there's yeah because i like there's there's bars that i like to go to and there's places mm-hmm. that, like the lodging i like some of those and some and, of its history like southern illinois yeah. well for sure i mean growing up that's where you know, goose that's where was. goose hunting grew. Right. That's where it blossomed. That's where the goose collars were from, you know, grounds like and the, everything and, spawned from and all there. the, you know, I mean, that's cool to go just cause you feel like, you know, it's history. You're, you're going through a little history lesson when you go back that, you know, down there and hunt, even uh, though yeah, times have changed. And it's there. an entirely different style of hunting. I actually talked right. about this yesterday with field is that they don't, there's no such thing as scouting. You don't scout. Because, yeah. That's a Northern versus Southern thing. Yeah, yeah. it is like, yeah. you have your spot yeah. you're going to hunt and it's just, like the culture, like you see geese on their mailboxes and you see duck boats in all these yards. And well, you go trailers. down south and you see you walk into Walmart and seven out of ten people are wearing camouflage down oh, south. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. You come up here and if you see two and yeah. ten and that person's wearing camo and people are looking at them like, who, what, you know. And it's probably. Even though we're probably running go, go through the Memphis airport in, in uh, 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 December oh, yeah. and yeah, I talk be. to somebody in camel that knows somebody I know oh, that yeah. either through dogs or through hunting. Yep. That And that's happened to me several times when I, when I had the opportunity yeah. to fly down there and, and, and hunt. Yeah. Well, somebody would know somebody yep. that we knew. I mean, how many duck hunters are there? A little over a million? Like 1.4. Oh, right. No, 1. it's, 4 not, it's not something. that high anymore. It's a lot Dropped lower. that much yeah. less than a million. Yeah. It's a small. But, I mean, that's, that's not many guys when you spread them out. Not compared to deer state. hunters. I mean, you take the state of Wisconsin oh and the state of Michigan and combine them together for the, for firearm deer hunters, that number is roughly about how many waterfowlers we have in the whole Total, United States. Yeah. That's just insane. Yeah. But I'm I'm gonna change I'm gonna change the question okay. to my perfect hunt. Okay. Yep. My perfect hunt. And we're down on the Missouri. Yep. And uh we're not diver hunting and then having a not cocktail di- well now you know diver hunting is getting fun too. Yeah. And and, and, and I'm changing yeah, I wonder I'm changing there. Go. But I wish well just was, just step I gotta remind, me, perfect remind myself hunt of this. Yeah. Is uh um you know, we're down there, either Phil's boat, my boat, Mark's boat. There's three Maybe four. Four is pushing it. There's a couple yep. times where we push boats right. end to end. 
but we get three, four groups in. We shoot our individual birds. We got a break to Is eat it breakfast. Sunny? It's sunny. It's, out. it's, it's sunny. It's, it's yeah. sunny and the yeah. winds out of the north, north a little yep. bit. Yep. Yeah, it's sunny and winds out of the north yep. a little bit. We we get a break in there to eat breakfast, and 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 some ducks come in while we're eating breakfast. Once the bacon is gone, that's yep, usually yep. the time. And and usually right around eleven, eleven, or not usually, but right around eleven, eleven thirty, you shoot that last that last yeah, duck, last little, which, little volley. You know, I I do say that uh, um, I enjoy the camaraderie and, and 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 all the fun, and I'm at that stage where not shooting the amount of birds. Is that important? But there are days where I need to go out there and, and shoot them to know that I still can. Well, <laughs> you know, that, that we still because, can. But no one would ever, because people who try to say it's not about the, the shooting at all, like, well, you just go out there and just set up sometime then. Yeah. You know, don't yeah. take your gun. Like, yeah. no one would ever do that. And there, I do. I mean, I do it with my camera. <laughs> yeah. But most people don't, yeah. you know, I and mean, rarely. And, hey, when I'm. And fun, I when, enjoy shooting a little. Hey, no, uh, when no, we no. Shoot when I birds. go fun hunting back home, when I'm not filming anything mm -hmm. i probably a lot of times i don't even take my gun i yeah. or i take it and i don't take it out of the case yeah, because yeah. I, there's no pressure i don't have to shoot a bird so it's on film it's yeah. all this i can just go out and experience it and have fun with the guys and right. not have to clean yeah yeah well and, and i well, enjoy I when cleaning. we get those i, I know yeah. i'm the one that ends up cleaning most of the birds anyway i mean so i don't mind it's yeah when we get those bunches of birds and and we do call them in yeah. you know and, i mean where well, you definitely know these this is a, a duck calling day and uh, we're breaking groups Workers. and working together. Yep. And, 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 and that, you know, so I guess all the places I've hunted, those, those are, yeah. that's exciting. And then, and yeah, then we get to get done early and we get to, you know, like how we scout or, yep. or you and, know, and which has changed yeah. over the oh, years. Yeah. Yeah. Scouting yeah. is different. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, here's truck, here's yeah. another three hour yeah. podcast. Yeah. You made, but, and, yeah. and you took your dad on the hunt because that's as well, long as I've dad. known you. You've always enjoyed taking and, your dad and, on Yeah, hunt when and and dad's been on those hunts, which he hasn't been able to. We've had some unbelievable hunts. I actually found hunts. some old footage from, from one up in Manitoba, and your dad, we had him sitting up in that blind, and yep. he, shooting, he had a big yeah. time. Yeah, he had a double. We fun. got that double yeah. on T, mm -hmm. that, that double on, well, uh, on, the, uh, on the video, and we fist bump. And, mm -hmm. Yeah, but that's, yeah. But I got to bring some. We just talked about bacon, and I'm getting hungry now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you'll have to come hunt the boat sometime. We have a... Uh, <laughs> pretty decent i got a, I have an oven and a stove so you can actually cook like biscuits i haven't been in the new boat with no, this setup no have i didn't because i didn't get down there last oh, i, yeah, I never right. hunted the river last year yeah that's right you weren't down no not yeah, once I got, oh i got a little camp, no play and no fun a little yeah. camp chef little last year. Uh, oven yeah. in there and there's nothing i, I probably people get sick of me hearing, hearing me say this but there's nothing better than like fresh, hot. Uh, Why does it all blue, taste better? Blueberry muffin. Everything. All, everything tastes every, better in a duck yeah, boat. Yeah. Every bologna yeah. sandwich you yeah. have is yeah. the, the best bologna sandwich you've ever had if it's in the duck boat. Yeah. 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 Or your the bacon on, and on eggs. plain white bread. And, yeah. Yeah. I remember, I do remember Rick cooked up a hell of a meal a few years ago. Um, uh, well, you made those duck poppers in my boat. Oh, yeah. We had poppers. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was like one of the yeah. worst duck hunts we've had, but we, uh, we ate, ate well like that day. Yeah. We ate well that day. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. As so you're talking about the joking about the diver thing, I one and this is I, this is clearly never going to happen, and I don't expect that it would. But I would love it if we had a separate diver limit from a puddler limit. If you could do both, because I love to shoot divers, I just never do because it seems like whenever they're around is the same time when there's mallards around, and I don't chase divers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I I come from Southwest Michigan and. Man, to shoot, see six ducks, let alone shoot six shoot ducks. shoot ducks, yeah. 
Yeah, we. I, I'm funny. First, first come, first serve. Kind How of far guy. were you from like Lake St. Clair? Uh it's probably two and a half hours. I mean, I've hunted so, over there quite a yeah. bit, but I'm I'm clear on I'm ten miles off Lake Michigan. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That seems that St. Clair seems like a cool area to hunt. It's oh, it fun. is. And Rick's hunts been there. Yeah, I've hunted there a couple times. Yeah, diver hunts and stuff seems like mine. it's a like a place that's fairly rich in waterfowl history. It is. It's the western lake erie basin and lake st Clair is as steeped in tradition as the grand prairie arkansas but people don't think about that but yeah i mean layout layout hunting diver hunting for sure that's where it all started that's where you know uh, kalash and his boat that's all that stuff um there's museums there you can go check it out but uh, and people don't realize there's thousands i can't remember my buddy flies the the census there, and he said there was a a, a raft of divers twenty six miles long and three miles wide yeah. on the lake. Divers, oh and not only that, there's duck clubs all around the east side and the Canadian side that hold oh, thousands really? of mallards. And it's legal to bait. It's legal baiting over there, but you can't hunt within four hundred meters. They got different laws, but so they hold a pile of ducks. And and mm. the old squaw, uh, sea duck, uh, white wing scoopers yep, yep. is really picked up, and they've always been there. But guys are starting to figure it out because they're so far offshore yeah and now guys have got the boats they can get out there and that's really picking up so i mean that that lake erie that that lake erie western um uh western lake erie and st Clair is is as big as anywhere in chesapeake bay yeah that's uh, another huge area yep which is weird because and i I touched on this a little bit in a different podcast but it's it's interesting how some of the areas that have amazing waterfalling have no no history tradition anything like south dakota has none like you won't hardly i mean we have a, a small number of hunters well it's because of the people what is it 75 yeah. of the hunters live in the mississippi flyway yeah you know yeah, 70%, it's, it's just it's not like that like north dakota has amazing hunting and there's very few yeah. resident hunters it's just interesting how like there's there very well could be an amazing they're in like there's a I'm not going to mention the exact spots that i hunt but there's one area that we do hunt a lot that that has a pretty good culture of hunting like you'll see duck boats around mm-hmm. and there's motels does it kind of geared towards duck hunting but for the most part otherwise in that state in the in the central flyway there just isn't really other well, than like the platte river too like the good old days of southern illinois are gone uh, oh, for yeah. goose hunting you know and the the geese change and yeah. the hunting changes and yeah. they move and the flyways slide around so for sure but that yeah. that trip that i got to go with you sean and and we did more sightseeing and hunting, but we went to the uh, 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 the um, DNR place, yeah. and we went to the headquarters of those places, and then we went to a couple museums, and we took the ferry across. Yeah. That would that would that was a blast, yeah. and, and and I knew there was some history there, but I was not. I didn't know it was that steeped in yeah. history. You know, I I just knew some because when I was growing up, that was the stuff you'd read about in sports a field and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yes. So I, I knew about it, but, uh, but yeah, that was, that was a really cool experience. Well, I, one thing about that area too is I assume it's mainly guys diver hunting. That's probably the, the no, focus. There, no, yeah. no, there's, 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 there's yeah, puddle there's, ducks and geese. Oh, okay. yeah. Big too. Yeah. yeah. It seems yeah. like the one thing that seems like I've noticed other than Arkansas for sure is that a lot of the places that are more historical and have that, that kind of like culture See, and, and even the individual guys that that pay attention to that tend to be diver hunters. Like I think of diver hunters more as like overall waterfowlers because they're they're the guys who are wearing the old coats and they're it might be they have the old de- more they're, history they're carving decoys. I think they yeah. follow that traditional 
path a little more where it was like a mallard hunter or a goose hunter, they're kind of looking for like the new stuff and they're not, and there isn't other than some niche spots. I don't think there's as much of that. And maybe it's just what I've gathered from. No, they're probably a history. Minnesota history certainly was a diver yeah. duck history, yeah. you know, uh, um, it's, it's just changed as the flyways changed and this distribution of the birds have changed yeah. and, but, but no, uh, that's probably, probably true, but just the history has changed. Yeah, it's definitely, it's, for me, it's, it would be hard to, like, I don't know where I would go to go have a really good diver hunt anymore close to me. South Dakota, we, seems like they skip us. They hit the northeast, very northeast corner of the state and they kind of slide around. We shoot a few here and there when we're just mallard hunting, but it's not, I don't see enough ever where I hunt that I would really want to go mm-hmm. set up. Probably Western Minnesota, I'd probably would be my Last year there was there was divers in the state again, so yeah. hopefully we get them back. I, I did some diver duck hunt last year. It was a blast. In fact, I can't hope we get some this year. It's just too bad you couldn't call them. If you could, mm-hmm. if there's somehow had a, oh, you a can. call. You no, can, yeah. You can, you can flag them. Yeah, I mean, flag there's, there's an art to it. Yeah. They're, not, they're not as receptive. No, there's nothing not like a mallard, mallard or a no. can of the goose when no. it comes. If no. you like to blow a call and see yeah. birds react. They're not your gig, which is, I mean, that's, that's my, my favorite thing about mallard hunting, but the divers are fun. There's just something different to them too. And it's a strategy, and it's it's very gear intensive. Oh yeah, got to have the right gear yeah. to get at them, and for sure, get under them. A bunch of a bunch of white blobs floating There's around. Another podcast. Yeah. Yeah, diver hunting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No kidding. Talking about the, yep. the equipment and and, yep. and the stuff. Yep. Yep. That would definitely be one. Cool. I don't think I have much else. I would. Okay. This, this one went well. I I think uh, having you two guys on together is cool. It's been the first time where my guests have actually known each other or known everybody involved. So, um, cool, awesome. Well, I appreciate, yeah, appreciate having, it. Appreciate yeah, appreciate having, it. It was fun. It was fun. It's good. We to will. See. Uh, you know what, Rick? Sometime you're gonna have to get down, and I yeah. want to do another one. I, actually, one of my plans is to do a bunch of these from the boat. I was just using, gonna say that. Let's rock man, one of these yeah, out from the gonna, boat. Yeah, I'm gonna have the recorder with me in the boat a few times, and I think that would be mm-hmm. a fun, a fun gig. So, we will uh, look forward to it. If you got some free time out of your uh, filming schedule, swing on down. We so, got to get them down there. We try. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you dig it. So shoot some greenheads, not those geese yep. for a while. Hey, yeah. I'll shoot the others. <laughs> no, he'll you shoot. Guys he'll shoot, shoot anything. anything. I'll shoot the others. <laughs> yeah. You guys shoot the green. Well, the yeah. thing I'm, is, there, there's I'm not. Your guy. Well, there's not a lot of others there, by but the there's time a little pressure that yeah. I have to actually hit them. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we I always I'll shoot back, better hey, in a crowd. All right, let's wrap this up. I'll go back out and practice. I gotta go to work. Go shoot. Go shoot some flyers. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks for showing up, guys, and thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Bye, bye.